This week's edition of the Two Tools Baseball Podcast, Alex and I dive into the AL and the NL Players of the Week. We talk a little bit about Aaron Judge and Mike Trout and their legacy. We take a deep dive in to the AL Rookie of the Year candidates so far. And who do you have as the best Major League Baseball hitter right now? And we'll tell you ours. Find out now. Hello listeners, my name is Alex Jonitz and I am joined as always by my co-host Travis Miller. I am more of a stats nerd and he was a total stud on his D3 college team. And this is the Two Tools Baseball Podcast. Enjoy. What's going on everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Two Tools Baseball Podcast, episode 62. Alex and I are coming to you live. It is Monday, May 23rd, 2022. Alex, what do we got cooking on today's episode? We got tons of stuff to go through, Travis. Um, just tons of small topics. Also, our, our usual weekly stuff, you know, players of the week, new power rankings, a new MLB hitters, or best batters in the league power rankings that we'll talk about. But I think, like always, we'll start this one off with players of the week, um, AL and NL players of the week, and I guess what was so special about uh, what they did in the last, you know, seven days of baseball. So why don't you bring that up, Travis? Yeah, and I think we have our uh, probably our comeback player of the year so far from uh, the first couple weeks. This certain individual was off to a awful start in his contract. Trevor Story, Alex, Boston Red Sox second baseman now, uh, now turned second base, not shortstop anymore. Uh, the start he had, Alex, um, you know, you pull the numbers up, they were down there with, you know, some of almost minor league numbers, uh, you know, just did not seem or look like an Emily ball player. Uh, this week turned it around and turned it around in a big way. Six home runs, 14 RBIs, a 360 average with a 452 on base. But the biggest number is the slugging a 1.120 slugging percentage that puts him north of a 1500 OPS for this week. Um, just, I mean, elevated his status as a Boston Red Sox this season. So far he was getting booed. We, we saw it when they, when they played the angels, uh, just did not look like a comf comfortable hitter at Fenway park. And man, I mean, what a turnaround, Alex, what, what do you, what do you got to say about, you know, just this past week? Yeah, it was definitely a monstrous week. I think I feel like he almost he was winning them games pretty much. Like there were games where they were close with like the Mariners um, and stuff, and he just would take over, uh, hit a couple home runs, and just like all of a sudden now your team's winning, and it's really something I think the Red Sox needed because they started out. Um, I guess I won't say just it wasn't like absolutely terrible, but definitely blow their expectations, definitely. and, they're, and they're, they're definitely climbing back into things based on this recent hot streak they've been on. Um, almost at 500 now yeah yeah we'll talk about them a bit more later on because i want to kind of touch on some other things about their team um but just in terms of story uh obviously a great week for him i think the confidence boost is going to be a big deal i think um just kind of proving you can do it with the new team and kind of getting over like the the slump with the with the new team is going to help a lot um but yeah i think that the al east we always know how it's a power hitting division so story just kind of adding to the noise i guess over there so um it was a great, great week for him it was really honestly i mean i i we talked about i think even two or three weeks ago and how lost he just looked at the plate and you know going from coors to fenway that was kind of an expectation you knew the numbers were going to drop off but not as they certainly did for the first you know five or six weeks or, or so of the season um 
I know there was a there was a tweet, and you even shared. I think it, what was it? His run differential or his uh, weighted runs created? Alex, oh yeah, it, it jumped like what, like twenty five points in yeah, one his, game. Yeah, his WRC plus went from like. I think in one single game it went from like eighty, so it means you're like twenty percent below average yep. to like a one eighteen, like you're you're way above average. Yeah. And that was just from one game where he had I think three homers, just like I think like like seven RBI. It's like a crazy game. So And uh I think he capped it off this week with a uh, I think he had a grand slam, I think against Seattle. He just tore it up against Seattle. I'm almost seeing like a home run every single game. So uh a hot story really uh just I mean makes that lineup that much better with already Devers and Bogarts. Uh, hitting the way they do, uh, you know, you get come a, a couple other of those guys going as well. Uh, Kike, Verdugo, uh, and even JD, you're going to have, uh, you know, you got yourself one of the best lineups in the American League, if not in MLB. But that's Trevor Story, the American League Player of the Week. Uh, the National League Player of the Week is a pitcher from the Miami Marlins. Uh, really had a breakout season last year, Alex. Uh, Sandy Alcantara so far this week was, of course, 2-0. 17 innings pitched and a 0.53 ERA with 12 strikeouts. Um, but, you know, that's really nothing new, honestly. You look at his baseball reference page. He's 4-2 and two on the season. Uh, a 2-11 ERA so far this year. Has the most games started uh, in all of baseball right now. Nine games started and actually the most innings pitched so far. So he's really been a workhorse uh, so far for the MLB this season. And actually leads baseball with one complete game as well. You don't see too many pitchers going the full distance. Sandy already has for the Marlins. But uh, give me your take on Alcantara. The way he's really just honestly transitioned, even from 2019, I feel like his numbers are just getting better and better. And we're seeing just a young ace for this Marlins uh, team right now. Yeah, he for sure had a great week. Like you mentioned, there was the... Uh, complete game that was just that was in this last week um, a big deal of course this you know like you said tons of managers pulling pitchers early this year but um, as with recent years but uh, I guess Miami just kind of realized you know this guy is you know having a really uh, he's super hot out there let's let him finish the game off and so that's you know great for him and for his team I think that honestly uh, I don't know what direction Miami wants to go but they have so much young pitching I really do wonder if they ever have you know considered flipping him i know that he just signed a, a bit of an extension i'm trying to find the exact contract right now it looks like he's signed through 2026 five years 56 mil very friendly so very team friendly you're right yeah it's like a it's like barely over yeah like 10 mil it's like but, yeah, 11 10, mil a season 11 mil a year so that's really good and there's even a team option in, in 27 so in 2027 so um definitely uh not a, a deal that they go a giveaway for nothing but it's just kind of interesting how um he's probably playing at his absolute peak right now he's been super good last year and great to start this year too so uh one of the one of the better pitchers in, in nl for sure and um i don't know I, I feel like miami i think that division is just they're probably a couple years away is my yeah, thought yeah um but he is such an impact arm that um he's a, a good reason to watch the team and and he could end up being you know the ace for them if they make the playoffs in a year or two from now so and definitely gonna keep their eye on him and even looking at even his teammate pablo lopez you know both guys are 26 27 years old so you look at the marlins saying you know how many years do you see yourselves until you're actually you know a true you know just contender in that division yeah um both those guys are having just insanely almost career years right now so far this season so you're right i mean those will be two names that'll be probably brought up uh you know i i don't know about the trade deadline but you know could be brought up in the offseason as uh you know ammo to have the marlins get more pieces if they see themselves really uh you know 
ramping up for a 2025 or so on, uh, you know, kind of uh, a dominance uh, in that NL East. Because right now, of course, the Braves are still going to be good. The Mets have really geared up for the next couple of years. Um, the Nationals, we're still waiting to see what they're going to do. And it just really involves Juan Soto. And then, of course, uh, you know, the Phillies are also geared up for the next couple of years to really win now. So it almost feels like Miami just kind of needs to wait their turn and then strike when all these teams are starting to uh, get old, I would say, or, you know, just are kind of phasing out. But Pablo and also Alcantara right now are uh, are really proving to have breakout seasons this year. I think Alcantara honestly probably had it last year, but we're just seeing a right. consistent good ace starting pitcher right now. And honestly, man, if they can flip that with for at the trade deadline with one of the top teams, I mean, you'd be talking about a lot of good prospects coming to Miami. Uh, they already 100%. have so many prospects. So I really wonder if they want to stay and keep all these starting pitchers or do they want to turn more towards the Sixto Sanchez's, uh, I think it's Edward Cabrera that's down in their system as oh, yeah. well. Um, we'll see. I mean, honestly, we'll see what kind of what Miami wants to do, but uh, just a lot of good young pieces right now. They're doing very, very well. Uh, but the team of course will be battling, you know, pretty hard to, you know, very slim chances to make the playoffs this year, but uh, you know, not counting them out. They've really put, you know, just a really good team on the field and really have competed well with their division so far. Um, I think a couple of weeks back, they they went toe to toe with the Mets and, uh, you know, really made a tough series for them. So yeah. they're, they're kind of a team that is going to be, you know, they're, they're going to be in it till the end of the game. And even we saw with the Angels, too. I mean, they really, you know, they're, they're not going to give up. So uh, that kind of wraps up our players of the week with Alcantara. Um, anything else you want to talk about or move on to the next y subject? Yeah, we'll, we'll go next up. So talk about Aaron Judge, because right now uh, he was the MLB home run leader, if I'm not mistaken. And then today he's already hit two in their game against, I think they're playing Baltimore right now. If they not mistaken. are, yeah. yeah. Um, Seems Cole, like they've been playing Baltimore for the last two weeks. Yeah, yeah I know. Uh, but lucky, lucky them. Cole, Cole is on the on the bump. Uh, I think he had a bit of a rough start, but uh, Judge is picking him up with two home runs. I think it's a close game. I think it's still going. But um, right now, yeah, Travis Judge. Uh, I'm going to read off some stats real quick. Just some really, uh, I guess, impressive and like uh, things that kind of blew my mind. So this is a tweet from uh, at Max Sports Studio. Uh, he tweeted, since April 13th, Aaron Judge has hit as many home runs, which is 17, as Oakland Athletics as a whole team combined. <laughs> so the Oakland A's as a whole team. And that's obviously 1,185 more plate appearances that the team of Oakland has had than Jeez. just Aaron Judge by himself. Jeez. But but isn't that just nuts? Like 17 home runs each between like the That's one player and then a full-fledged American League yeah. roster. Yeah, honestly. Um, and then uh, just a bunch of other stuff too. Aaron Judge has, I think, 17 home runs in like 170 plate appearances. The Tigers have over 1,400 plate appearances this year, and they've only hit 21. So they've only hit four more. So it's crazy. just really crazy how Aaron Judge's power surge right now, Travis, is really stacking up to whole team's production in terms of the power. Um, it shows that the dead and ball has not affected Aaron Judge one bit because he's just he's just going to mash no matter yep. what. Uh, and so right now his offense is is through the roof. He was one of the top like five OPS guys in the league, and then just today he's hit two home runs, so it's going to go up by a ton. Yeah. Um. So give me your thoughts on Judge. You know he's really keeping his name in that MVP conversation with a guy like Trout, oh, yeah. Otani. They're going to be in the race. Um. But give me your thoughts on Judge. Do you think this could be that year where the voters say, you know what, Yankees are the best team? 
This guy is having one of his best seasons ever. We didn't give him in, into it in 2017 because Altuve um, had that batting title and the Astros were such a good team. But maybe this is his year. What, what, do you, what do you think about that? Yeah, and I feel like we're talking about him every single week and, you know, rightfully so. I mean, what he's been doing so far this season is up there with, you know, Mike Trout, with Shohei Otani, with Taylor Ward. Uh, it'll be a very fun, I think, finish for the MVP. Right now, I think Trout really has more of the percentage stats just totally beat on him. But if you do lead, I think baseball and especially the AL in home runs and you're on the Yankees and you're a first place team and, you know, you're on the verge of Yankees winning 105 games this year, it gets really hard to beat a guy like that. So I, I definitely think that Judge is becoming almost not not a, not a clear front runner, but I do think that with what he's done so far this year and the team success, it, it really makes it uh it really makes it hard not to vote for him, and especially with all the injuries he's gone through, to get a full, healthy judge season just to have him finish second, it kind of seems like it'd be just a tough way to end that season and possibly end your Yankees Yankees career because we do not know what's going to happen after this year. Uh, Cashman could be writing some a really a really fat check pretty soon, uh, right? And he's probably. He's probably happy and probably a little upset that Judge did not take his last offer because he'll have to write something a lot bigger now if he wins the MVP and especially has a season like this. So, um, I mean, just what a start it's been for Judge. Uh, fingers crossed, of course, too, with the injury bug because I know looking at seasons past, it is hard for this guy to stay on the field. Last year played 148 games, so, of course, had a really good season with being healthy all year. But... Uh, we're only in May, almost in June, and uh, you know, nagging injuries sometimes pick up. You just hope it doesn't happen with this guy because of how special of a season he's having right now. Yeah, I mean, I, there's not much more to say besides the fact that he's one of the best hitters in baseball for sure. This is a good segue, Travis, into this other topic I wanted to bring up, and that is MLB doing their power um, hitters. It's their, it's their. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to see exactly how they worded it. So they call it. This is three days ago they, yeah, they published yeah. this. So three days ago, it's called the Hitter Power Rankings. Oh, that's right. So as of May 20th, this is their Hitter Power Rankings. They rank the 10 best hitters in baseball, according to MLB. Um, it says selected by the writers of MLB.com, so that makes some sense. But they did a vote, and this is who they came up with. So first, they have Aaron Judge as the best hitter in MLB right now. Second, Mike Trout. Third, Bryce Harper. Fourth, Taylor Ward. Fifth, Rafael Devers. Sixth, Paul Goldschmidt. Seventh, Mookie Betts. Eight, Giancarlo Stanton, nine, Yordan Alvarez, and ten, Manny Machado. So overall, ten great hitters, of course. Of course. And any sort of kind of picking between them is just kind of, um, you know, kind of small, making tough decisions between good players. But yep. I just think it's really difficult for me to figure out, I guess, the um, the methodology, right? Because I'm all about consistency. Yep. When I look at a list like this, I want to see, okay, what was the criteria? What were you really focusing on? Uh, when you're making these picks and it just feels like it's kind of all over the place um so mike trout uh if you really care about i guess the cumulative stats like mm -hmm. home runs rbis uh, total bases that kind of stuff judge will probably be leading trout because yeah. he's played uh, more games i'm almost positive mm -hmm. and then he's on the team with the better record so that's going to help too and probably gonna be batting third or fourth and having guys get on in front of him where you know trout's batting for sure uh that'll first help. or second you know that'll help the rbis yeah. a ton um but and, then and, and he's got a guy in front of him that uh you know hits a lot of home runs too that uh you know is not on base for him all the time as well so right and so with, with all this in mind um judge over trout makes sense in that aspect but by the percentage stats trout 
uh, and Taylor Ward are the two best you know hitters in baseball by OPS right now. It's looking like before today is actually quite a bit of a gap. Taylor Ward is at a 1,194. Trout's at a 1,133. And the next best is Machado at a 1066. Judge is at a 1065. But Judge will be going up today. Oh, yeah. He will be a, he will be above a, a 1.1. I'm not sure exactly where he'll end up. Yeah. Um, but this was published before his monster day today. Uh, so yeah, I mean, Judge will probably be first on there next week because he's he's getting better somehow uh, this week over last. Oh yeah. Um, but yeah, give me your overall thoughts, I guess, on a list like this, and what do you think about you know just the way they kind of broke it down. Um, even guys like Mookie Betts, who Mookie Betts is actually doing great, and he is uh, an elite hitter, yep. and he's actually on a really hot. A streak right now but i don't think he's a top 10 hitter in baseball i think he's a top 10 player yeah because he brings so much else to the to the to in his package right so g- give me your thoughts on uh on this list i guess yeah i mean the the, the top two i saw trout and judge and that's rightfully so the top two I, I i mean you could definitely make a case for a guy like taylor ward i think that just with the baggage that judge brings um you can definitely make a good case that he's gonna be in the top two so i'm fine with that but uh down the list i think he even said um Goldschmidt in there uh in in one of the, one yeah, of the uh, and, spots and, and Goldschmidt is currently he's currently sixth in baseball before today in uh okay. OPS okay. so he's okay. at yeah so the, the OPS leaderboard includes almost all these guys except for no judge I don't see Alvarez I don't see Betts so there's a couple of differences but yeah yeah and you know I, I mean like we go through these power rankings at least the power rankings I think have been getting a little bit more consistent and I I actually appreciate them um these ones, of course, will be, you know, I, it's kind of hard to judge. I mean, uh, it's kind of hard to judge when, you know, Aaron Judge number one. But anyway, good one. But, uh, you know, I'll probably look at the top five and just really give my, you know, main critique on those. And, you know, I, I think right now, if you if you had a list, I would probably say Trout, Ward and Judge are probably your top three. Um, sure. And you could put any order you want. I mean, honestly, if you want to put out a respect, you want to just put Judge because the season he's on. That's fine. Mike Trout, I still think, is the best hitter right now in the game. If you had to take the best hitter, you had to take anyone right now in a draft, I'd probably go Mike Trout. You just know with the consistency year after year, and especially with this year as well. Um, you could also go with a guy like Taylor Ward with the surprise. But, you know, I know not, I don't want to be down on Taylor Ward, but I just I think we all know that that it will drop off soon. You know, the 1.1. 939 OPS is no, not going to no be No one there. will finish with that high. No one yeah. will finish with that. You know, I, I could possibly really see Trout honestly finish with a 1.1, but that would be honestly uh it'd be pretty historic. It'd be pretty historic and it'd be it would be honestly just pretty insane. The OPS plus number would be probably just so stupid. Um over 200 and I don't know when the last time we had an over 200, you know, player that was, you know, at, at the same level that Mike Trout is when it comes mm-hmm. to the whole package. But um, you know, that's probably my sense of the, of, the, of the top three best hitters. Manny Machado, too. I mean, what, what was he on that list? Number 10? He was 10, and actually, he's the guy who I really wanted that. He was the okay. one guy who I disagree with the most because I think he should be higher. No, yeah, and I was going to say that, too. I mean, right now, he is fourth on – I'm sorry, he's third in MLB with OPS. So yes. he is putting together all I – mean, I mean, right now, he currently leads uh, all of baseball with a 374 batting average. And then, of course, yeah, he's the up. on base and the slugging all is best in the NL – I mean, he, he's got so many bold italicized numbers right now. It's insane. Leads baseball with hits. I mean, he's a guy that honestly is on track, Alex, with, I mean, we're probably looking at over 220 hits this year. And and we talked about him a couple weeks ago with the 3,000 hits. He's probably the best case to hit 3,000 in the next 10 years or so. So he's putting together 
a historic season right now at Machado. And right now he is, in my opinion, the leader for the NL MVP. It's it's no doubt in my mind, 3.1 war. Um, but getting back into the offense, when you look at a pure hitter, Manny Machado has to be in that top five. And having him, I think, at number 10, um, it, it kind of it def- definitely is a huge question mark. I, I'm glad you say that. We completely agree. Machado has the batting title right now. He has the best on base and slugging in the NL, like you said. It is the best. It is a uh, second best in all of baseball on base, uh, tied for fourth best in slugging all of baseball, uh, third best all of baseball in OPS, and that is uh, might get overtaken by Judge today. But like we said, this is from a few days ago. Uh, hits leader uh, and then total bases, he's tied for third. So there's just no flaw in his offensive game right now. Exactly. He's hitting for contact. He's getting on base with walks. He's hitting for pop. So and he's getting singles as well because the hits uh, total is so high. So he is he is honestly picking up all the slack from Tatis not being there on the Padres team. He's of course the big reason why they're projected to be a playoff team this year, even without their best player. And he's kind of saying, "Hey guys, don't worry. Like I signed a big deal here." I'm going to keep showing up even when my, my homie uh, Fernando is, is not going to be ready to go for, I mean, I'm not sure, maybe a few more weeks, maybe a couple months, not 100%. But And how fun is that? I mean, you oh, have yeah. this guy going almost historic mode and Tatis will jump right in in June and this lineup becomes that much deadlier. And 100%. Just how good they've been so far for, um, I think today or a couple of days ago, it was uh, game number 40. So we're about a quarter of the way through the season so far right now, 40 games in. So um I mean, yeah, it, it's it's really spectacular to see what the what the Padres really hopes and dreams of becoming as a lineup, and we're seeing it right now. Once Tatis comes in and he gets back to Tatis form, um, that left side in baseball, Alex, is best right now in baseball with third and shortstop combo. So, I mean, it's just crazy what Machado's doing right now. Yeah, know? we we agree about that. Yeah, that's that's I think that's my best uh, left side as well. We'll we'll keep moving on to some other hot hitters in baseball right now. Um, so this is a stat from today posted by MLB Stats. So it won't include today's game right now. The Dodgers beating up on uh, the Nationals, but you know, to be expected, I'd say. Um, but the this is about Mookie Betts. So his last ten games, Travis, he has five home runs, eleven RBIs. He's batting three fifty seven with a twelve eighty three OPS. A hitter that's on his level in a ten game span, you know, that's kind of something that's going to happen yeah. at some point. Uh, another guy uh, with a crazy hot streak right now is. Paul Goldschmidt. This is also tweeted today. In the last 14 games, he has a 14-game hit streak with four homers, 18 RBIs, a 4.58 average, an 8.64 slugging, and a 13.41 OPS. Two of the hottest hitters in the National League this last week. Um, I guess give me your thoughts on those guys. And I guess, uh, I, I mean, it's kind of these veterans who have been around for a while, and they're kind of saying we're still here, as well as Machado, oh, yeah. also a veteran. So some of these guys are kind of saying, you know, last season was all about the youngsters and like those, you know, the three juniors and all that stuff. This year, it's really been, you know, some of these familiar faces showing up. So any, any thoughts on that? My only thought is I'm looking at these. Uh, I always look at, you know, like the awards on some of these players when you go to their homepage for baseball reference. Mm-hmm. I mean, funny thing is Mookie Betts, I mean, much like the San Francisco Giants of the early 2010s, I mean, this guy just loves even years. I mean, I'm looking at mm. uh, 2016, top top two finish in MVP. 2018, won the MVP. 2020, top two finish MVP. This year, he's looking like an easily, uh, you know, could be an easy slam dunk for a top five MVP. So sure. uh, just funny that the trend is that Mookie Betts, every single even year so far has been uh, spectacular. And he's doing really good this year. It's funny, you even look at the OPS, it seems down, but you look at the OPS plus and it's definitely up. Uh, you know, with the baseball being down, this year with with uh, with offense being down, 
uh, it just proves that an 888 OPS right now is uh, is definitely, you know, 50 points above league average if you look at most other hitters. So, uh, and of course, what you get from Mookie at the defensive level too, um, he's a really, he just, he's, an, he's a spectacular all-around player. Um, and, you know, any lineup, any team right now is, you know, adoring to have a guy like that. But even at Goldschmidt, I mean, I think we saw him the first couple weeks of the season and it was just, it, it was... It wasn't even that pretty to even look at. I think the first game he played, he was like, I think like five for six or something really impressive. And then he was like, oh, for for like a week straight. And I was like, oh, my my goodness. But then, um, yeah, he's totally picked up the slack and he has asserted himself into like right now. He's sixth in in OPS in baseball. So And um, and he's always been the guy that has just been the quiet underdog that just has these sneaky, sneaky numbers. I mean, yeah. I mean, you look at the career numbers and they're great. You look at this season's numbers and you would just never know. A 342 batting average with a 409 on base, a 566 slugging for a 975 OPS. I mean, just so under the radar that no one would even be talking about this guy. Um, if you know, it, 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 no, no one even pays attention to this guy. He's always been under the radar his whole entire career, even in Arizona. And it seems that way now with St. Louis. But what a turnaround right now. Um, leads all of them will be in doubles right now. And you know, total bases too. He's up there almost at 90 points or 90 total bases on the season. That's up there with Aaron Judge level. So uh, what a turnaround by him and that offense for the Cardinals looks even better right now. So yeah, we'll and we'll actually stay on the Cardinals there, Travis. Uh, right now, the Cardinals this season, um, I think we've had an interesting kind of back and forth as to are they going to make the playoffs yep. right now? They're 23 and 18. Not sure uh, what they're doing today, but um, overall, We've seen some good performances from guys like Arenado, guys like Goldschmidt. Albert, I think, has been probably not worth the contract, but he's been at yeah, least a positive yeah. uh, player. Um, Tommy Edmond, you know. Edmond has had a bit a of a, player. a breakout. He's playing some shortstop now, which is, I think, really good for um, figuring, that, figuring that position out. But they seem very deep, Travis. They and do. they also just called up um, a handful of players. I know they called up... Um, is it Nolan Gorman? They called up Nolan Gorman. Yep. And then uh, I don't know how to say this name. I think it's Liberatore or something. But oh, he's, yes, he's, yes, he's one of their yeah. top prospects, and he's a, he's a starting pitcher. He had his first MLB outing this last week, and he didn't do amazing, but he uh, is going to be really good at he's some point. Bigs, yep. That's just how it works with uh, you know some starting pitchers when they start out. It's hard to just throw a gem in your first one. And you're um, 22 years old. I mean, yeah. Oh, yeah. And, and you're one of the best <laughs> prospects in baseball. You're going to be back uh, soon, and you're going to have a, a good outing before uh, it's all said and done. Also... Uh, Juan Yepes, they called up this season. Uh, he's played 17 games. He's batting over 300. The OPS plus is at a 157. That probably comes down a bit at some point here, but it just shows how impressive he's been. Another young player, Brendan Donovan, for them, has played 22 games. He has a 183 OPS plus. So these are kind of small sample sizes, but some of their young players are stepping up in a huge way. Um, Nolan Gorman only has 12 plate appearances, but he was one of their biggest prospects. He is he was batting 500 with a 1283 OPS. That will come down, of course. But it's just worth noting. <laughs> yeah, it's worth noting that some of these guys, Travis, have had really great starts for them. So, do you think that this kind of youth movement for them? Are you kind of more lucky to buy into what they could do this season? Could they win that division, or could they at least be a really sneaky wild card? Be like the almost like the Braves of last year, where you know, maybe an 88 win team, but in the world world series, everyone's clicking and, and you can pull something off. What, what are your thoughts on the Cardinals? Yeah, I think more like of a, of a Braves team where they can, you know, I, I'm actually the Braves won the division. I don't think the Cardinals are probably going to win the division this year, but I think that they will be a playoff team, uh, 
possibly like a five or six seed uh, going into October. So I definitely think they have the makings of a of a you know the, I, I feel like the Cardinals are just a winning brand. Every single time they make the playoffs, they always seem to kind of always sneak their way in, and you'll see them in the, in the league championship series. And then if they're in the World Series, it's not really a surprise. It's just kind of the Cardinal way. Uh, one of the, if not the most successful National League team of all time, I would probably say, you know, we ranked our all-time Cardinals back in December. And mm-hmm. I mean, the team they put together is is just elite. But uh, I think they will be a playoff team this year. And also what they're getting from, you know, stars like Arenado, Goldschmidt, Edmund, you know, even with, you know, Yadier and, you know, Pujols kind of still... <laughs> being the grandpas on the team they're still being MLB players at least they're still being MLB players and even though Yadier's offensive numbers are really not pretty at all right now I I know he's still putting together good defensive numbers and still being an elite uh catcher backup backstop behind the plate so that's what they're really looking for him and uh you know even the outfield I mean I I expected a lot from Tyler O'Neill I think he even went like three for five on opening day Alex with like it might have been two home runs and Ever since then, it's, it's really been a just big down year. Yeah, it, it's been a down year. And we saw him last year, the way he took off in August and September. And it was it was like this guy, honestly, is a threat for this year's MVP. Not so much, of course, so far during the season. But and and, and that uh, left field is a shallow position. He was looking like a runaway, like best right. left fielder, that's five right. tool player out there. And, and yeah, it, it's been a, a disappointment for sure. That's right. So, I mean, with that and then you got Harrison Bader, uh, you know, just of course, good defender. The team is built around defense. I mean, they won, what, six or seven gold gloves as a team last year. So mm-hmm. uh, the pitching staff loves to pitch behind this team, and that's what's really, I think they're going to ride into the playoffs is having a great defense, having a decently good pitching staff, and then, of course, an offense that I think will get it done. Um, but, yeah, I mean, just a scrappy team. Uh, not not like the Mets, not like the Dodgers, not like the Padres, but uh, a scrappy team that, honestly, you can play in a playoff series and easily, you know, lose you know three out of five or four out of seven against this team so for sure uh, definitely of course will not sleep on the cardinals at all this year and i also throw in a shout out to their relief pitcher ryan i think it's helsley he has thrown 14 and two-thirds innings this year travis zero earned runs still uh he has two saves for them four games finished but uh when you look at his at his numbers so far, Travis, that's really something. Uh, like I said, over 14 innings pitched, only two hits allowed, run, run, one run unearned, only two walks, and 25 Ks in those 14 uh, and change innings. Is he the guy uh, that threw uh, like 103? Uh, he may be. I'm not. Okay. I'm not. I, I, I think him and also. Um, I think you're right. I know that for sure. His velo is significantly up this year, so yeah. it could be him. But they have that one dude. Um, they have too many guys. They have. Yeah. Uh, they trying have, to find it right now. I know Jordan Hicks throws heat. Jordan Hicks, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they have too many. And Jordan Hicks is, is is like right now trying to be a starter. He was like a bullpen arm before. Uh, I know that Alex Reyes throws heat for them too, but I think that he actually might have gotten injured recently. But yeah, there's 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 just, uh, first of all, a lot to like. Um, but then... There's a lot to like also in their... Uh, their, their bottom ERA guys are Yadier Molina and Albert Pujols on the pitching I'm, I'm staff. I'm seeing too, that so. too. Yeah, Yadier and Albert, of course, getting some some old gems pit, still uh, getting it done. Yeah. Pitching appearances, nice 36 ERA on each of them. But you know, I guess have fun when you're blowing the other team out and you save some bullpen arms when you're you know if you're it, we make fun of teams if you're down by 12 and you and you put in a position player. But if you're up by 12, you know what? Like save the bullpen. I guess you earn that right. I guess so. You Which, know, have I mean, have fun. You're right. You earn that. And I think Yadier did it this week, right? I, mm-hmm. I know I saw him warming up with Pujols behind the plate, and that's right. 
they both I gave mean, up homers. I think it, it's good they're winning so much because if they were five hundred or losing during the year, I think every every St. Louis fan oh, would just yeah. be so livid to see these guys, you know, on the mound and you know we're having fun. But at least they're having a good season so far, so you can at least say okay, we're having fun. But yeah, <laughs> it's fun when you got those guys on the mound uh, trying to uh, shut down innings and everything like that. But uh, St. Louis, I think, is still for real ninety two point five percent chance to make the playoffs this year. And uh, over a seven percent chance to win it. So uh, wow. I think I, I think they are a a, a strong team that uh, you know on paper looks good, but also I think can just be very deadly uh, with just just their players. I mean, just the defense and the pitching staff. I think that is a good combination to win a lot of ball games. So yeah, I, I agree. I think the bullpen seems like so much upside, and, and the the bats uh, they can for sure get hot. So lots of like the defense is a given. It's going to be really good. Let's move on to a different team, Travis. I want to do kind of the same thing and kind of say we already touched them a bit, but just I want to kind of say what do you think the potential of this team is? It's going to be the Boston Red Sox, um, like the Cardinals. I think going into the season, they're they're kind of a fringe playoff team. That yes, they could probably make it. It's not going to be a guarantee. It's going to depend how their team performs. And there's just a lot to, I think, like about them and also a lot to dislike or a lot to kind of question at least because I do think that they kind of left something they kind of left something on the table in free agency, I think. I think they really yep. could have done more to replace the bats of Schwarber, the bats of Renfro. Of course, Story is a great addition, but he started off so slow. And we, a week ago, we were saying something else, though. Yeah. Right. But then they're on a recent hot streak, so I want to give them credit for that. Currently, playoff odds, uh, according to baseball reference, is at 20%, 19-22 and 22 record. It's going to be a tough division, but the Rays and the Blue Jays are not really seizing them seizing the second place in the division right like Definitely, a team yeah. could sneak in there at the wild card race of the american league a team like the red sox a team like the mariners could kind of come back into the race because those other al east teams are not really running away with the wild card um spots so give me some of your thoughts and one thing i want to do a uh, touch on really quick is the disappointment i guess of bobby dalbeck so far um this is actually a tweet from Bill Simmons kind of about the production of Dalbeck. But um, it, it, when I first read this, it's really kind of surprising and, and jarring. But uh, this season, uh, he has 106 at bats, batting 160, 250 on base, 236 slugging, only one home run, six uh, RBIs uh, with a negative war. So that's crazy. And you compare that to last year. Um, last year, Travis, at home, he was batting Sorry, at home he was slugging 569, and against lefties last year he was slugging 551. This year at home he's slugging 128, and versus lefties this year he's slugging 128. So the slugging has gone from you're an elite power hitter to there's no pop at all. What you know, you can't get the ball in the air. I'm not sure what's going on, but he is someone who I I, I just really think that they were banking on him to be the first baseman of the future to yeah. replace letting Schwarber go because Schwarber was playing a lot of first base for them. Um, it's been a real reason why I think the offense for them has kind of left something to be desired so far this season. I know they actually have a good prospect coming up. Um, Casas, I think he plays corner infield, so he could be a first baseman of the future instead of Dahlbeck. But, um, I think for this season as we're concerned, Travis, give me your thoughts on the Red Sox as a whole. And also like, you know, there's some really good performers, but then there's just like, oh, but Dalbeck and Verdugo is having a huge down year and Jackie Bradley's having a down year. All these kind of uh, weak bats in the lineup holding them back. Give, give me your thoughts overall. Yeah. And even looking at their starting nine um, when it comes to offense, um, 
second base, third base, and shortstop are the, you know, attractive, uh, you know, offensive stat numbers so far. And of course the DH, JD Martinez, you know, I didn't realize he's having a, he's batting 349 this year so mm-hmm. far. So a really good, um, average and good OPS numbers, OPS plus numbers as well. But, um, you know, the last, I think the last week we really fell in love with them because what they did to Houston, I believe they took, uh, they took two or three against Houston at Fenway. And then of course, sweeping, the uh mariners in a four game series and they really just took it to them i think they had a walk off grand slam on i believe it was sunday but uh what they've done so far the last week um just really really impressive also i guess going back uh for the past 10 games um the series before that they won two of three at texas so uh really of course woke their backs up um in arlington but you know the season of course like i say it's it's a it's a long season one thing to note they've only played the yankees three games and they've only played the Rays three games. So they still have a back schedule, just heavy, heavy load yeah, teams, the, the of Rays rivals, yeah. and Yankees. And that's going to be the biggest challenge is when you play all those teams, 18 to 21 times, I don't know how many times you're going to play some of those teams, you know, you really got to keep it locked in throughout the season. And, and, you know, the Yankees this year, we've seen so far, they are not to be messed around with. Right. The Rays, of course, are never to be messed around with because you could think that you're going to bring, you know, just your B level playing or, or just, you know, not bring your A game and the Rays will definitely take it to you. So that's one thing, of course, they've had a really nice rebound the last 10 games. I think it was what they were like, they, they were looking at like, they're going to be like 10 and 20. And it just looked like the season was, you know, in fact, just just almost about ready to just call it. Start looking at trade factors for Bogart. Start looking at trade factors for even J.D. Martinez um, and get these guys out of there. But it seems now they've kind of picked up the pace. They're still 10 games out of first. So I think the division, of course, has just been out of their contention since probably the end of April. But a sixth spot in the uh, wild card is kind of still open for them right now. Yeah. I wouldn't rule them out just yet. No. but. I will say there are a lot of teams they still have to play uh, a number of times or, you know, double digits amount of times that are going to be tough, tough series coming up. And so uh, the Red Sox so far, and I think just the the awakening of Trevor Story is the reason why they've done so well. I mean, I think if he was still flat, they probably would have won maybe three of the seven or, you know, they could have won three of the 10 or something like that. I think just his bat during the Mariners series just really woke up that offense and you know the offense of course if bogart's i mean if story is swinging the bat well bogart's endeavors you know are always kind of swinging the bat well that offense is going to score you know four to five runs every single night but um they go on the road the next three games at chicago against the white Sox. they currently they actually got swept at home by the white Sox earlier this month in may so interesting to see how they uh go up again against the white Sox. white Sox are another team right now that is just been troubled by you know, the start of this season. I mean, we have, we did not see this team having this bad of a struggle. They actually right now are only one game above 500, but still four games back in the division. Me and you have talked so much about how we think they're still going to climb their way and win the division. But uh, of course, Red Sox will have a tough, tough time right now, uh, you know, going to the, going on the road and playing uh, at Chicago. But I mean, the division is so deep, so good that to me, it, it just seems like you needed a really strong start to really stay afloat in this division. Toronto has had a disappointing start, but they're still above 500 in that division. And of course, Tampa, they're kind of right where we thought they were going to be 24 and 17. Uh, really, st- you know, just a really, really solid top 10, just team. really solid with, I mean, we've seen some of these lineups that Kevin Cash has ran out. And I, I asked myself, how do you win with this lineup? But 
Kiermaier seems to hit a three-run bomb. And then, you know, of course, you know, Wander Franco is just a stud. And then you've got, yeah. you know, G-Mon Choi will hit a grand slam. And you're just kind of like, where'd all this come out of? But uh, the Rays just find ways to win. And that's just been the name of the game for the last five years for them. So Boston, of course, will have to play um, just the probably the, the toughest stretch for the rest of the season still uh, was playing the Yankees, playing the Rays. 15 or so more times and that of course you know that's 30 games against those teams so um it's been a really nice recovery but i don't think it's still enough i think to really make a strong statement or push at least for a division i'm not going to rule them out for a six seed in the wild card but it's going to have to be a really tough uphill climb story is going to have to you know continue to be great and of course they're going to need their ace chris sale to come back and be uh a chris sale of the past which we don't know what we're going to get out of that Chris sale, but uh really nice recovery though. Yeah. Uh, sale is going to be a question mark in my mind for me right now. My, my thoughts on him is I'll, I need him to prove it again because Definitely. it's been a while since we saw his old self. I think it's been, you know, it's been like since 2018, since he's been his, his old self, 2019 was a rough year for him. Then injury came. And then even last year, he kind of relapsed into more injury. So uh, overall, not great uh, in that department, but um I think there was enough things to like where you can kind of say they could piece something together here, especially with a trade deadline. If they can be 500 and if they feel like being aggressive, if there's maybe some weakness by the by the Blue Jays or by the Rays at that point, they could for sure make another move. Like how last offseason they went and got Schwarber. It helped a lot, I think. I mean, he was a huge boost in the postseason once they got there. So overall, I can't like you said, I cannot rule them out either. Um, I'm going to move on to now uh, a new topic. This is uh, kind of a... It's kind of a review of an old trade that went down in this last offseason. And it's just another example of a team that always wins, just kind of keeps on winning. So I was going to do like a surprise and like hide the the identities, but I'll just tell you who they are. This is about Austin Meadows and Isaac Paredes. Uh, This is, of course, between the Detroit Tigers and the Tampa Bay Rays. Austin Meadows... uh, was considered one of the better DHs, especially in like 2019. He had a 144 OPS plus. He got 14th in MVP voting. And just in 2021, he actually was 20th in MVP voting. So a corner outfield DH type. Um, the expectation is you're going to have some good pop. But this year, he's at a 115 OPS plus. So you're still hitting well. But for a DH, it's kind of, that's probably close to par for the course. You know, that's. And the slugging is pretty low. Yeah, DH, the slugging yeah. is for sure below what you'd expect from him. He has wow. zero home runs. Just saw that, yeah. Only four doubles, two triples. Um, you know, it's a big outfit out there, but in Detroit, but you'd hope that he'd have more home runs. Spraying um, doubles and triples, you in, know. In, how big in, that in, is. Yeah, in that division, you know, there's some series against, you know, the Royals or the Indians or Guardians, uh, where you think that he'd be able to get a hold of some uh, some better than better than zero home runs at least. Yeah. Isaac Paredes currently 12 games played for the Tampa Bay Rays, only 34 plate appearances. Uh, The batting average is about average. The on-base is probably below average, but the slugging is at a 545. He already has three home runs in those 12 games. Wow. 141 OPS plus. He already has a .3 base reference war in just 12 games played. How do the Rays keep getting away with it, Travis? They just find a way to... Make a trade that makes you scratch your head and kind of say, okay, I know you're getting this nice young player, but you're giving up Austin Meadows, who is a win-now player probably. And it, somehow it always works out. They always kind of know when a guy is going to come up or kind of come down. Give me your thoughts on, I guess, this trade in hindsight. Of course, Meadows could improve on his season, and, and Predis is probably not going to 
finish the season hitting, you know, three home runs every 12 games. But uh, give me your thoughts, I guess, on this. And when that trade went down, I think we both thought, you know, the Rays still have a couple of seasons, I think, left in the tank before they have to, I would even think, consider like rebuilding or, or oh, right. selling their players. And so Meadows, I would think that would be a guy that would be on the team for the next couple of years. And then, of course, you can ship him out. But it just seemed like it was premature to, you know, get him out of town now. But I mean, like you said, it's 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 working out. And I mean, that the Tigers, I mean, have just made a couple of disastrous moves, I would say, from this past offseason that this year it's just not looking pretty. I mean, the obvious one is Javier Baez, but uh, Austin Meadows right now, like he just said, I mean, the DH hitting zero home runs, that's that should be a stat line that should never be there. You know, when you're a DH, you're expected to bring the power, expected to bring the home runs uh, to the ballpark. But uh, I mean, yeah, j just just another uh the Rays just getting away with another sneaky kind of trade. And I, I almost would want to just tell a team if the Rays are looking to trade for someone, just say no. I mean, just be like, absolutely I don't, I, not. I don't, I don't trust you. Yeah. Um, the only trade that went there that did not go their way right now, I'm still looking at the Joe Ryan trade. And that we talked about, I think, a couple of weeks ago. 100% correct. Um, they acquired Nelson Cruz last year in the deadline. They let go Joe Ryan, one of their prospects, to the Minnesota Twins. And this year, Joe Ryan is the ace of the Twins. Uh, 2.28 ERA. I still have his page pulled up right now. But that is the only trade that I think the Rays really just uh, really messed up on, of course, because he would be a nice addition to that already stacked uh, starting pitching staff. I mean, I can't imagine with McClanahan and Shane Baz. And then, of course, if you had Joe Ryan, I mean, that could go toe-to-toe -to -toe with the New York Yankees in a division series. So um, that's the only trade I've seen the last, you know, years past that has really been uh, the opposite way of the Tampa Bay Rays. But, I mean, like you said, again, I mean, they just seem to find players and find ways to uh, to get some of these guys. And, and Paredes, you know, I think that we all thought, his, you know, he's not going to be really a, a good addition until, you know, 2024 or so. Mm -hmm. You know, he still has a couple of years to probably get, uh, get MLB ready. But he's probably almost MLB ready right now. And the Rays are really, you know, making, uh, just benefiting from him so far. So, I mean, again, the Rays just winning at the trade deadline or getting, win, yeah. winning the trades. And we even saw, I mean, Blake Snell, he had a very team friendly contract and they just got a ton of prospects from this, from the San Diego Padres. And so we're still waiting, of course, for, uh, is it Patino? I think that's going to be, uh, one of yeah. their, you know, one, one of their really good starting pitchers. He had some pretty good games so far, but I think the health has been a big problem with him at least the last couple of years. But uh, I mean, the Rays just love to develop guys and then get them out of there and then just get young, good prospects. They can make a push for a, for a deep playoff run. And then, you know, Wander Franco, rightfully so, is the only guy that deserves to be locked up by the Rays right now. So, uh, Paredes could be the next guy and I think is he playing uh third base right now for them yeah he's playing a lot of third base okay. but they're they're always kind of about you know substituting guys in and you know guys in that team platooning. play center field and also play you know second base too so I yeah, feel like everyone's everywhere Kevin Cash just loves the idea of just having a team of utility guys that can go anywhere and play everywhere lefty righty matchups I mean the guy definitely is a top-notch manager at you know finding the best lineup that can get the job done that night and taking it one game at a time. Um, a lot of managers, you know, will keep the same consistent lineup or, or some managers will just bench certain players when they should not be benched. But anyways, we're not going to get to that topic like last week, but uh, yeah, Kevin Cash, of course, just the genius behind it all. Uh, what he does day in and day out is just so respectable uh, from an MLB fan. And of course, an analyst and, you know, even being a Tampa Bay Rays fan, if you are one, then, you know, you can really appreciate what he's done. But 
back on the whole trade deadline, you know, the Rays seem to always win in the front office. So yeah, and and I'm glad you mentioned the whole Joe Ryan for Nelson Cruz thing because that was the one example. And it also we saw last year the A's do the same exact thing where they traded uh, Jesus Lazardo yeah. for uh, for Stalling Mar uh, Marte. And it's just examples of teams that they never really give up the young guys for bigger contract guys, or they, ne they never really kind of make a go for it move. They always are kind of building for the future, always thinking about, you know, we want to win this year, but also we want to still be good next year. Um, the A's and the Rays are like those teams in my mind, and the Rays really kind of abandoned that strategy and just said that we need, this is, we have a great team this year. We're, I think they're really bad against lefties, so they got Nelson Cruz, who is going to cover that hole. He not only didn't do very good with them, but they gave up Joe Ryan, who is already blossoming just, you know, months after that trade went down. Like six months later, he's an ace on the team that is currently um, Win the division on yeah. projection to make the playoffs. So uh, that trade lo looks badly in hindsight. But, Travis, looking at the Rays uh, this season, just I just noticed this just now. Their entire starting team outside of their catcher has a above 100 OPS plus. You go from first base, the whole infield, and then all the outfielders in the DH. It's all really good. Even on the bench, Manuel Margot, who's on the IL, is a 178 OPS plus. Francisco Mejia, backup catcher, 103 OPS plus. Isaac Paredes, infielder utility, 141 OPS plus. It's just crazy how, you know, the entire team is hitting above average because I think they do a great job of putting the right guys in the right situations as well as kind of finding these diamonds in the rough and making it work. Even guys who have like a down year in, in, in some view, like Brandon, Brandon, uh, Brandon Lau, you could say, yeah. okay, 115 OPS plus only a 293 on base. Maybe this is a bit of a down year for him. Um, but I think you can also just look at, you know, the fact that he's 115 OPS plus as a second baseman. That's still good. You know, you're above average hitter for a second baseman. That's not super common in the league today. So um, I think across the board, they're, they're really succeeding. And, and I would say, too, I mean, even looking at all the OPSs, I mean, all of them are in the 700s. And, you know, it's, it's kind of consistently that, good. It, it's funny that that's really all you need to just have a good lineup to run it out there. And, of course, their pitching staff is, you know, going to be top notch. I know they had a couple hiccups in the past couple of weeks with uh, you know, certain opponents. But, I mean, Drew Rasmussen and Shane McClanahan right now are, you know, both of their aces. Both funny. It's they both have uh, different innings pitched, but same ERAs at 2.33. So both guys are proving to be very, very good. Kluber had a little bit of a hiccup. I know I think we saw it against the Angels, and he was doing really good before that. I think the Angels just messed him up. Uh, <laughs> I, was think the, uh, I think the lefty home run from Rendon just kind of messed him up a lot, but uh, and that wasn't even against him. But I, I would just say Kluber uh, has had a hiccup the last couple of weeks. His ERA is now north of a four, but I mean, I think we all were expecting a north of a four ERA from Kluber this year. But, uh, you know, just what they can do in the bullpen as well. I, I was looking at this one guy, Alex. His, uh, his name is uh, J.P. Fire, I think Fire Eisen. Yeah, he was part of the Adamas trade. And he right now has a has 20 innings pitched, zero runs given up. So That's crazy. he has just been really elite. I mean, their bullpen altogether is just, I mean, it, it is insane. It, it's funny how deep it goes. I think they honestly do a great job at probably promoting guys from AAA, bringing them up for a series, and then demoting them, and then bringing new guys up. That way you see guys come in, and major leaguers have never even seen this pitcher before, and he's probably throwing lefty submarine. And you're just like... I don't even know how to read this. You know, I've yeah. never seen this guy before, but that's what Kevin Cash does. But I mean, just back to the whole entire, you know, 40 man roster of the Tampa Bay Rays. Um, it's why they're so successful. They love to change things up. 
and to uh, get crafty. And so that that's always, of course, a really good sign of a, of a team like that. Yeah, they're super smart. Uh, like you said, they're call guys up at the right time. I think they're just amazing at developing talent. They know all the the sneaky tips and tricks that the other teams don't about how to maximize players, what pitches they need to focus on, what pitches have really good, you know, run value and are, you know, how to make a player into a winning player that's going to contribute on the big league team. So, um, yeah, they're, they're super smart. I have no doubt that they're going to be competitive this season going forward. Um, currently a top 10 team. I think we both would probably agree. Um, I'm going to move on now, Travis. Uh, I was talking about, uh, I was talking about Brandon Lau a second ago and just, him having kind of a down year. And I saw this really interesting tweet that really, it kind of threw me off guard and I'm going to bring this to your attention and I'm going to ask you a question. So uh, this is a list of the top, uh, it's the top second baseman uh, by Fangraphs war. I'll just tell you, I'm not going to read you this list, but the mm-hmm. top 16 names, Travis, the top 16 names do not include Brandon Lau, Marcus Semyon or Cattell Marte. And I think those, I'm not 100% what your list was, but those were my top three second basemen when we made our list mm-hmm. going into the season. Mm-hmm. My top three, I think it was Lau and then Semyon and then Cattell, if I'm not mistaken. I think that okay. was my top three. I know I had Semyon top three easily. So, and then, yeah. Uh, my thought after seeing that is, you know, it's just fan graphs for it. could be a games played thing. It could be, you know, don't don't live and die by just one stat. But mm-hmm. if all of those three guys who we thought were the top three at the position, going into the season are not top 16 by the stat that's supposed to kind of summarize everything. Um, What are your thoughts on the second base position right now? And who do you think is the best second baseman in the world right now? Not just this season, but like if you had to pick someone right now for your team, who would you pick? Because the guys going into this season that I would have picked are not the guys who I'd pick right now. It's definitely that, that list, that top five second baseman is changing drastically in the last just month. So give me your thoughts on that and this kind of this craziness we're seeing at that at that spot. And it is a tough spot because I think that, you know, the consensus is always going to be a guy like Ozzy Albies. Um, I know his name always gets brought up just because of how popular he is, um, you know, just a clutch performer. And so I definitely can see people saying his name. Um, I think the last week, you definitely now have a discussion for Trevor's story and it became a lot easier for people to say Trevor's story. Um, just for the numbers that he's now produced. I know I know some of the uh, percentage stats are still low, but he's really picked things up the last week. But for sure, I mean, it, it, it is a down year and it's tough to really think about who would be, you know, my choice for uh, second base, because I mean, there are names that have always been, you know, around like a Jose Altuve or, you know, trying to think of other guys as well. But I, I mean, it, it is. The big guys it's this a tough season, position, yeah. The big guys this season have been Edmund, uh, Jazz Chisholm, Je- yeah. Jeff McNeil has played a lot of second base. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So those are the big guys this year. But it just kind of goes uh, like, you know, would you take if you had to build your yeah. team right now? Are you taking Edmund over, you know, Brandon Lau or Ketel Marte? It's like, you know, are, is the tides shifting at the position? Are we seeing these new faces that are here to stay? That's true. Or is this kind of like a one month blip and we're gonna see Ketel have a good second half? You know, it's just kind of very interesting to say. Um, what does the future of this position look like? Also, Santiago Espinal on uh, Toronto's had a really great start. I think he has the best war on his team, if I'm not mistaken. No, you're right. I know the, the the start's been crazy with when you have a roster like you know Matt Chapman, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. and yeah. Bichette. You know, but to, to be to be tops on that team is is definitely something something big. Um, yeah, I think overall this list is just super surprising that you know guys like John Bertie and Brandon <laughs> Drury and yeah. 
Tyro Estrada on the Giants. Like these, <laughs> these guys have have better Fangraphs WAR than you know Cattell, Semyon, uh, Lau. So it, it, it's definitely impressive. And uh, from you know some of the guys that did crack this list, I think Edmund and Chisholm are they're quite possibly the future of the position. But I also add that Edmund has been playing shortstop the last couple of games when they called up uh, Gorman because Gorman plays second base. So. Um, and, and even a name like Jonathan Indy, I know he's been hurt a lot this season. Already a naked, you know, actually only 11 games played this year. So he's missed, you know, definitely a good chunk of the season so far. But from those 11 games, Alex, a negative 0.3 war. So wow. just, of course, not being the Jonathan India of last year, the rookie of the year winner. Uh, he was a guy that I thought that could have another, you know, almost a, a real breakout season to just cap off on his rookie of the year. Then, of course, you'd have a real discussion on Jonathan India. Could he be, you know, a top five, top three second baseman in the league right sure. now? But um, the injuries and the uh, the bad start are tough to really say that. So, I mean, if we had to make a top 10 second baseman list right now, would our, would our uh, you know, would our picks go down? I'm sure they would. But, you know, who would be your number one if you had to pick? I mean, if you had to do it right now, it, it'd be tough. I, I think I think Edmund has just been the most consistent, even though he's not going to bring this just huge power surge but i just think that when you look at the all-around consistency of good defense guy that can just spray the ball to all parts of the field have a good on base have a good batting right. average i probably just go edmund jazz chisholm though is a very good name to look at as well just because of what he brings the power um just a nice he's almost five tool he really mind. is honestly so i really like chisholm as well but i think edmund for me just being the all around just just a nice sound baseball player i think edmund would be my pick right now even though it's you know, if you would ask me a year ago or something like that, I probably would be, you know, instead of Edmund, I'd be saying something like David Fletcher, you know, <laughs> I mean, sure. even though he's been battling injury as well. But it's funny that the shakeup so far this season at the second base spot, um, it's been tough. And, you know, maybe if Albies just would hit hit right handed, then maybe I'd pick him because, you know, we've seen those splits, Alex, and they are. I do believe that's, that's a real thing. I yeah, think that the yeah. fact that he's so bad as a switch hitter batting from one side in comparison to the other side, it's almost just like, you know. Maybe you should just try full time one side and see how it goes. It does. Um, I know it, it could it could pay dividends. I know Cattell is the same way where he really likes hitting lefties from the right handed batter's box. He's better at that than the other way around. So um, it's funny when Swiss players have this huge splits, and I wonder how often they think about trying. You know, maybe they go in the batting cage and they do try and they don't, don't feel comfortable. So if that's the case, then you know more power to you and do yeah. do what you're comfortable out there. But um, and I, I think also looking at Edmund, he's played, when you look at the games played, he's played 346 games in his career. So just about a, a little bit north of two seasons, mm -hmm. two full seasons in the MLB, because of course, 2020, uh, not a lot of seasons or not a lot of games that season, but uh, career wise, 11.5 war. So you're looking at almost at, you know, 5.5 to almost six war per 162 games for a guy like Edmund. And that's just, I mean, that, that's really nice for a guy that does not hit a lot of home runs. You know, he's just playing really, really good defense. And of course, uh, looking at some of the other percentage stats, he's getting on base. Uh, he's having a good slugging for what he can do. And that's hitting doubles, hitting triples. Those are his main, uh, you know, those are his main priority when he gets to the plate. Uh, the home runs won't happen a lot, but you look at doubles last year, 41 doubles, three triples. Uh, his rookie year had seven triples. Uh, in just 92 games. So the guy can spray the ball throughout the whole ballpark, and he's a switch hitter. So uh, I would say Edmund right now is probably my consensus uh, top guy if I had to go with, you know, MLB number one. And it's just funny how many guys I 
probably I'd have to look back at what I ranked him in the top ten, but it was I don't think not, you ranked him. I honestly you're probably right. I think I, he was I, my tenth. I, I was gonna say he probably wasn't even in my he's not in my top five. So uh yeah. there's a lot of guys this year that have um Semyon being the biggest one. I just I don't know what to say about him because I was looking at his numbers earlier today and the it's zero not like, it's not like he'll be on our list next year. Yeah, I mean I mean the zero home runs right now, I mean that is a major concern. I'm pretty sure Ranger fans are probably probably saying to themselves and we have you know what seven six seven years of this guy left you know yep. so uh he'll have to definitely come back in a big way next year but i think edmund right now just being the whole the whole package the whole consistent ball player would be my my guy right now i like it i like it so i, I i'm gonna kind of take this conversation and we're gonna move to shortstop real quick um i think a similar thing is happening it's not the exact same because we know next year and even later this year, Tatis will be good. Yep. Correa will be a good, uh, you know, shortstop. But um, the same guys here is going to be good. These guys are young. They have a lot of bright future ahead of them. But overall, um, right here, right now, the first month of the season, uh, this is as of three days ago, Jeremy Pena, Wander Franco, and J.P. Crawford were the three best shortstops by baseball reference war so really interesting to see kind of guys who you wouldn't have predicted to be probably the three best shortstops in baseball after the first month of course by the end of the season we could easily see Seager, Correa, Tatis at the top you know something like that definitely but um Tim Anderson's also fourth on baseball reference war and then as of today I just checked Fangraph's war Tim Anderson is actually first in baseball um and I believe second is Jeremy Pena so um the big story for me is Pena and how good he's been. And I was going to ask, did you put put rookie of the year money on that guy? I don't think I did. Yeah, I don't think I did. I mean, that's just which mean, is which is a shame for anyone who didn't because I, he's I mean, running away with it. I mean, we saw spring training numbers and you know how good and how hyped he was, and then of course this season he comes through and I mean, talk about I mean, not we, even missing Correa. And, and we were pretty it's sold crazy. on the American League Rookie of the Year. We, we were saying on the podcast, Big Four: Adley, Torkelson. Julio, Bobby Witt Jr., none of them are touching what Pena's doing yeah, so far yeah. this season. So it's really going to be Pena. Um, and only respectfully, Adley did make his de- debut this week, which, you know, congrats absolutely. to that. So, you know, maybe, of course, a guy like him could take off. But with what Pena's been able to do and what he's been able to do to the Astros and how good they are, yes. I mean, I- I'm sure he is top three in war on their team right now. Actually, you know, you're right. He's number one. I think he's first. Yeah, He's number one because he's, uh, he's top 10 in Major League Baseball. But, I mean... Wow, I mean, just just what a stud so far. That's probably getting paid, in probably not even a million dollars this year when Correa wanted, you know, thirty. So, right. And, I mean, and just just it, that's the definition of Moneyball. Yeah, he's picked up the slack <laughs> and more. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's really interesting to see, you know, fresh faces at the top of these lists, um, guys that you wouldn't have expected. We were just talking about Adley Rushman. Travis made his MLB debut this last weekend. Was the number one prospect in baseball. Um, after there was a graduation of Wander Franco, um, I think even Bobby Witt might have surpassed him. But you know, it's it's all the same. The elite, elite prospect. Definitely, we know he's going to be a really good player when he hits his prime. Uh, switch hitting catcher for the Baltimore Orioles um, has good contact for a catcher, and they say he has great defense. Um, but we'll see how he develops. But Travis, uh, you know, first game, first career hit is a tri- I think it was a triple, triple, yeah, um, which is a big time. And I think the Orioles walked that game off with like a Rugnado door chopper that got under the glove of the first baseman, just kind of a wild finish to that one. But um, I think it's really, even though we don't expect the Orioles to be good right now or next year, um, at least they're going to be fun watching Adley, right? Very similar case with the other rookies 
Um, even though the Tigers aren't that good right now, it's still kind of fun to see how Torkelson develops. Even though the Royals aren't that good right now, it's good to see uh, Bobby Witt and, uh, kind of be cheering for his success. But some of those guys have had a bit of a harder time than I may have thought as they entered the season. I know Torkelson right now, at first he was doing pretty solid. It took him a little while to get his first career home run, and then he really picked up the pace. But as of right now, negative 0.5 baseball reference war, a 78 OPS plus, so he's being a below average bat, and he's playing a lot of first base. So as a first baseman, you really are hoping for more offensive production than that. Um, and then also Bobby Witt, Travis, it was great to kind of track him early on. It was really fun to see he had that like big uh, late game hit. He pulled a double down the line. But um, ever since then, I think he's actually had a bit of a hard time. So yeah. g- give me some of your thoughts on some of these, uh, you know, these rookies, the, the big four. Also, Julio Rodriguez is in this big four, of course. He has had um, up and down season so far. But overall, like I think he's at least met the expectations more than maybe Bobby and oh, uh, yeah. Torque. But, but oh, go yeah. give me your thoughts on this on this rookie class so far. Yeah, and I think right now what's tough, too, is all of them are on teams that are you know, still trying to find, you know, their identity, trying to find probably even like a, in a rebuild mode, not the Mariners, but you still have the Royals and the Tigers and um, and the Orioles who are still, you know, years away from really, you know, contending, I believe. But, uh, you know, the biggest name so far, of course, this season has been Julio. Um, you know, he's the only guy that has, I think, a positive war, unlike uh, Adley. But Adley, of course, only has, I think, eight plate appearances right. so far this year, but still a very good start. I mean, you triple in your first game. That's pretty awesome to see. You know, you get an X race hit in your first game. That's pretty awesome to see as well. But, um, and we'll see what Adley does. But so far, the three guys with Julio Torkelson and Bobby Witt. Uh, Julio has to be the guy that's so far in. You know, definitely in the positives. He's batting two sixty eight. Very good for your rookie year. I mean, honestly, I mean, we've seen we've seen Angels. That, you know, in their rookie years, really just you know crap at the plate sure <laughs> and so you know it, you see those numbers and it's very encouraging to see that this guy will you know eventually start to get better and better actually one number that's really cool to see is leads mlb with 12 stolen bases yep. so i know who, he was a guy who did that no exactly yeah. and, and and there was a lot of people saying could this guy be a 30 30 in his rookie year and that'd be really something if he can do you know anything like that would have to pick up the home runs a lot but um so far this year of course six doubles three homers one triple uh, and the percentage stats are, you know, are definitely going to get better. One thing that's nice is he actually has a uh, OPS plus higher than 100. And you see a lot of good all-star guys from years past below 100. And you have Julio, right. who's doing better than a lot of those guys. So I would say that is one good bright spot that's coming out of him. And then the other guys, of course, they're just going to have to develop even more. And you're, you're going to have that. You know, you're going to you, you shouldn't expect these guys to just come in, you know, as first overall picks, you know, first round draft pick studs to come in and, and, you know, play or hit like Mike Trout. You know, it's going to take some time. And uh, with at least Julio, you're seeing a guy that struggled early and now is becoming a uh, a well-groomed, I think, rookie outfielder right now for the Mariners. Of course, the team is not doing well, and um, I think his name has just kind of not been as attractive as it was before the season just because of how hyped the Mariners were, how hyped Julio was with Kelnick. Kelnick now in AAA, and Julio is, uh, I think, the big rookie name right now on the team. But uh, he has to be the big bat of the big four so far, as, I, as I've seen this season. Sure. Yeah, I think I agree with that, um, him being the big bat. Um, Adley, just getting started, would love to see him really put on an impressive uh, showing. A switch in and catcher is pretty rare, and then you're going to say, okay, uh, top prospect, number one prospect in baseball. Um, that's a big deal. So I think that 
it's great to see him, you know, uh, in the bigs now, and hopefully he can keep, uh, keep, uh, I guess, impressing. And I guess one thing to point is, I mean, for Adley, I mean, yeah. you, you have to go against that division. I mean, sure. I mean, that that's one thing that's going to be, you know, a big uh, learning curve for him this year. I don't know uh, who he played. I'm trying to think of who, who they played when he got his first hit. I, I think it was the Rays. It was. I think it was the Rays he got his first hit off of. But, I mean, you're going to have to go into Toronto, go into Fenway, go into New York, and just play in those environments. And at least this season and the next couple of seasons, that is that is some of the best tests right there you can definitely have. Because if you hit well in those ballparks, I mean, I'm confident you can hit well in any ballpark. So sure. um, yeah. that's what's nice, I think, right now, is that they don't expect him to be, you know, all-star Adley, uh, you know, until you know the next couple of seasons so i would definitely think as an as an orioles fan let this guy develop for the next couple of seasons you know if he fails let him fail a little bit but um it's encouraging to see him you know do that and it's nice for a fan base that has been you know pretty bad for you know the last five years or so uh get their number one guy up to the bigs and have him perform like that in the first game um i know we were like that when we saw marsh when we saw adele when we saw even mike trout we were just wondering you know how's this guy's first game gonna go yep and uh you know it, it's awesome to see when your top prospect like that gets a big hit like that in a game so yeah uh, cool. yeah waiting for that big hit or that first hit is always a, um, a really big kind of anticipation but last note on this uh, just a quick little tweet that I saw and it was kind of throwing shade at the Orioles and I kind of agree with it because <laughs> it says the Orioles had almost three years to plan Adley Rushman's debut. Like, you know, he's been their yeah. guy yeah. for a while now. And uh, yet they announced his arrival at 8 a.m. like morning of. And then uh, they announced a crowd of 17,000 at Camden Yards. And you really feel like if you waited for like a day off and announced it like like you know this friday is his first game after like a thursday day off yeah like they would have packed the house i oh, feel like yeah, easily, every easily. orioles fan is like i want to see rushman's first game easily he will be a franchise catcher of the next decade so what am i doing uh you know if i'm not watching this game live so it's really kind of funny to see uh, i guess a team kind of mess up in that way they really could have capitalized harder on that i think but and, and i totally see that and i also see maybe in a way that they want to make it you know they, they want to just kind of keep it low key under the radar. Don't want to put just amount of pressure on Adley. So I see in that aspect, but, but you're right. I mean, it would have been cool to have like, you know, a Thursday uh, afternoon announcement that Friday night, you know, against this team, Adley will be starting, you know, probably batting in, in the top, top half of the batting order. Uh, and then, you know, you can get at least that, that atmosphere in Baltimore, that, you know, that excitement so far, but you know, I, I see both sides of the story as well, but you know, you're right. I mean, for being the number one guy for that team, number one guy in baseball, practically, um, it would have been, it would have been nicer to see a little bit more of a, a, a head start or a little bit more of a, a heads up for uh for right. a guy like that to come to the bigs. But, right. Yeah. And, and it's, it was still, despite the attendance, it was still great to see, um, his first moments walking out behind the plate first at least it was a home game right yeah first career game home game yeah he turned around and he really absorbed it he soaked it and he like looked at the fans took a deep breath and then put the and that was really on. cool that was really cool, cool yeah. moment and it's just a good reminder you know you only debut once and he absorbed it i think he had a good game and and you know it was overall excitement for him and uh you know glad excited to see what he's gonna do this season but we'll move on travis to a player that's in their prime no, not really a rookie it's gonna be mike trout um he had his 1000th career run so i'm gonna give you a few different milestone stats on trout and we can kind of praise him for a minute here um because of what he's doing this season and, and in his career but there are three players uh through their age 30 season who had a thousand runs 300 homers 
and 200 steals. And that's Mike Trout, A-Rod, and Willie Mays. Just really an elite company of five tool players. It's funny how those... Inner circle Hall of Famers, but I can't say that just because... A-Rod, I mean, A-Rod's not in the Hall of Fame. Right. But, Maybe not yet, but yeah. But, but truly, truly top, top tier uh, historic MLB talents, five tool players. It's really interesting that, you know, the runs, the home runs, the steals is what this category was about. But all five of those, all three of those guys played really good defense yep. too. So it's really an elite company there. Um, so that was like the first tweet I saw about his, you know, uh, historic 1,000th run being scored. This other stat, Travis, posted one day ago by MLB Stats. Mike Trout is the only player in MLB history with 1,000 runs, 200 stolen bases, and a 1,000 or greater OPS through age 30 season. So even guys like Bonds, even guys like Mays did not have that 1,000 OPS or, or guys like A-Rod um, after, <laughs> a, after meeting those other milestones with the runs and the stolen bases. So truly, a I think, a one-of-one one talent in Mike Trout. And see, Travis, here's my take. Seeing what he's doing this season, like I'm always every offseason, I'm kind of a little nervous. Like, will somebody have a better season than Mike Trout this year? And he continues to kind of prove that that's not the case. He's continuing to prove that he's the best player in baseball. Whenever there's any worry, uh, he picks up the slack and he proves how good he is. Last year, the injury, um, there was some worry in my mind. Like, you know, how is he going to respond? Can he kind of shake this? narrative of being injury prone you know because he not really is a 155 games played guy yeah he hasn't been that guy in the last several in the last handful of seasons but um can he you know be durable and can he keep being the best player he's proved that's the case and i honestly think because of that that he in my book was going to go down as the best player ever just because of his repeated greatness production year in year out not only are you being good every year but like he's being the best player pretty much every season of his career and the fact that he's now 30 and is still doing it and you know maybe Soto could get a really hot second half and have a better OPS this season very possible maybe Judge could have a better OPS this season but I think that like just looking at you know going in every single season everyone's pick is Mike Trout as the best player for over a decade straight and I think that um as good and maybe you could say the same thing about Ruth prime Ruth but like I think overall there's very few players where every single year you're taking this guy is the best player um and this is the most competitive the league has ever been right the amount of talent right now it's it, it absolutely dwarfs the talent of the 20s when it was babe or the 50s 60s when it was you know mantle stuff like that so yeah. i'm i'm obviously a huge trout fan but um i don't want to waste the, too much of the podcast we could talk all day yeah praising our guy but i i truly think that some of these milestones he's breaking now i mean being being the only player to be a thousand runs 200 stolen bases and over a thousand ops that that we're talking about a level on his own in terms of some of these milestones so give me a reaction to his thousandth run and uh you know him as a player right now in the league and uh and yesterday uh yesterday i was at the angel game and you know they always put little fun facts about players yes. and you know whenever mike trout comes up you always look at the of, of the you know the fun fact of every at bat and it's always up there with names of bonds ty cobb ruth i mean it's it's up there with just freaks of the game that you you kind of just i mean there was one, I think a couple of weeks ago and it was talking about, what was it? There was some player that was like, 
doesn't like the color red or it, it, oh, it, well, it, I remember for the ra- something about going to jail or right? I was, think the, was, ra- <laughs> the the Rays when, when they just it was the ridiculous. Rays, yeah. they, they put a stat for Yanni Diaz about like defecting from Cuba. Yeah, like Yanni Diaz fact? went to jail like twice trying to defect from Cuba, and that's like the fun fact of like the at bat. But Mike Trout comes up, and that's when the real stats of uh, of Major League history come out. But I think I saw one yesterday. It was either uh, the only player in his first uh, full five seasons to ever finish in the finish top two in MVP, or honestly, I might have been the only player in Major League Baseball history to have five consecutive seasons of top two MVP numbers. And I mean, you look at those numbers too. I mean, this season he will get top three and uh, he will get back into the, you know, heat of MVP discussions. But I mean, just looking at the the 20s of Mike Trout, it is um, not many names can do what he did. I mean, unless your name is Barry Bonds or, you know, even if you're, you know, not even Babe Ruth because they didn't give that many MVPs out. But, uh, you know, it, it's just remarkable what he does year in and year out. And even this season, I mean, I don't know what to what I was going to expect from Mike Trout. I mean, I knew I was going to get. Um, do, do, are, you, are you on board with me where every year there's a little bit of doubt? Like, is he still going to be the best? And like, I think no, definitely, every definitely. year someone's trying to predict. You know, Juan Soto, is is he going to be a better hitter this year than Mike Trout, you know? The the nature of the game, right, is people online or if they have their own podcast or if they're just tweeting, they want to be the first guy to jump on the case of – they want to be the first guy to say, this is the year that X player passes Trout. They want to be the first one. And and it's very fair because there are players who show these hot streaks, um, and it's always really impressive. Um, But those are hot streaks, and this is a hot career. But but it's – yeah, it's it's definitely – Every year, continuing to impress, continuing to overachieve, continuing to, I guess, be great. So, um, yeah, you're with me then. Like every year, there's kind of some doubt of like, can I, he do it? And he he's never disappointed once. There's every year that there there is doubt, and I think I said it to this year. I mean, what what's what's funny with Mike Trout is you're always going to get uh, on base that's, you know, almost north north of 430, and and that's that's a Hall of Fame level in its own right there. I mean. You got many Hall of Famers who are, you know, a 370 through a 390 on base, but this guy is just so many points better. And then, of course, the slugging always going to be in the 600s, somewhere in the 600s, you know. Um, and you don't see many guys in the league today with the 600 slugging, and we see it 699 right now with Mike Trout. So um, the percentage stats for him are what make him elite and what make him um, in a class of probably two or three other guys, I would think, of just, you know, pure dominance across the board with this competition. I mean, right now I look back at, I want to, I mean, of course me and you are only 24, 20, you know, 24 years old. So we don't really have a huge spectrum of baseball, you know, knowledge going at least from us watching the game in the fifties. We, and 60s. we weren't there, right? Yeah. Exactly. But I, I want to know and, you know, ask people, you know, when was there another time when a guy was this dominant in a league? Because I think the discussion still is that, you know, the second best player is still so far off of what he is able to accomplish. And do you have to go back to Babe Ruth? Do you have to go back to, you know, Willie Mays, even though he had Mantle right on him? I mean, because Mays go- had Mantle there and even yeah. Hank Aaron was there and those guys were stealing MVPs from him. Obviously Mantle in a different, uh, different league at the time, yeah. but um, these guys are all competing for best player. And I think, you know, at least at most i think a five-year stretch of, of some of these players but trout has been a decade of being the best player and the guys who are close to him like the guys who are next best like the betts the harpers 
the they're not, even, they're not yeah they're not even well but i think that those guys are like these really like respected like these guys in my mind are going to be hall of famers definitely um, yeah. I, I think yeah. Betts is like he's like the roberto clemente maybe to trout's mickey mantle or Millie yeah. mays like there's kind of a more of an inner circleness more of a of a, do- of a just a full dominant threat, tier. yeah around the board more, more like i would say he's, he's five tool but trout's you know more five tool but um, and, and I wonder if that's what how you would judge who's the best player to ever play in baseball history on, you know, how much better than his competition is he and Mike Trout is proving to be that way right now. I mean, he, I mean, Barry Bonds, I mean, I, I know people talk about him before, you know, before even, you know, going to the Giants, but before the whole steroid thing. But you had Ken Griffey Jr., who was considered, you know, the best guy out there and Bonds was just kind of, uh, you know, a two to his a one. So, uh, you know, with this right now, I mean, I, I think most people would be in agreeing that, you know, in agreement that this, this guy is, you know, I wouldn't say light years, but he's, he's to, to me, he's really far away from the next best guy. And people are going to say judge will be MVP this year and he'll be right on, you know, Trout's doorstep. To me, it's not close at all. I mean, this will be the first year judge will put together a full healthy season. Trout's done okay, that maybe, for nine years, you know? So, so yeah. And then I, I guess my, I like I like consistency. So yeah, I, yeah. You 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 think he's like the goat because of like the year in year out consistency. Yeah. I just think that he has been. I mean, I mean, I'm gonna put one more thing. Last time he had an OPS below a 990 was 2014. And, so and, and, I mean, and if you look at the says it all right there. Yeah. So like last, so like last season was uh, Juan Soto's best season outside. No, yeah, last season 177 yep. OPS plus for Juan Soto. That is That's uh, a really great number. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it is like Trout's career average. I think it's a, I'm double checking. I think it's below Trout's career average. Trout is at a 177. It's the same. Yeah, it's the same. Career OPS plus. So, so Juan Soto's best full season is, is that's what Trout's doing every single year for over a decade. So, I mean, um, insanity. Yeah. Of course, at some point he'll fall off. Um, even God, <laughs> when will God uh, bleed, bleed? But yeah. Uh, but even a fall off at like, you know, even looking at Trout in his career ending, if you have him at a 975 OPS, I mean, oh, yeah. I mean, guys like Mantle and Mays could never do anything like that. So you're still going to have a guy. And the one thing that will be nice is I, I consist, I honestly think the war for Trout will, of course, keep on growing. I don't think he'll, I mean, it'd be amazing to have a negative war season for him if he just becomes. Like those uh, those pictures of him with a you know inflated face, like he's ate thirty thousand cheeseburgers. Yeah. But, uh, you know, I think Mike Trout will be a guy that will always be adding to the war. So that'll be a good discussion too, because I mean, he right now is nine on the dot, and we're probably looking at you know two to maybe two and a half more seasons. Maybe after this season, we're looking at two seasons to go before this guy's at a hundred war, and he probably won't even be thirty three years old, and that just that says it all right there. And that's that that's just insanity right there. Yeah, the fact that I think if he retired today, he'd be a first ballot all-time great. 95% of the vote. N- oh yeah. Now Travis the only deal breaker is he needs to make the playoffs and if <laughs> if, right. if, if he I mean, I think if he doesn't get a ring, uh I, I think I'm just trying to think of what would have to happen for him to be unanimous. And the voters are always going to be picky like someone didn't vote in Jeter. And I hate I, I mean, we'll talk about that when when the time comes. But, but I, hey, you I mean if you're a guy like if you're, you know, a very big analytic anal, analyst guy. You look at the numbers, you look at the advanced stats. Some guys wouldn't vote in Jeter because you look at the advanced stats and you look at guys like Barry Larkin or, you know, other shortstops. And I've, I've, I've seen those too, where you're saying that, you know, does this guy really deserve to be, you know, unanimous? 
you know, I, the legacy is there, but right now, you know, I, I agree with what you're saying about, I don't think he's a top five shortstop of all time. Mm-hmm. Like I, I'm, I'm with you there, but I think that if I ask you, is Jeter a hall of famer? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> if you ask every voter, yeah. they should be saying yes. Yeah. And the only, are, the, hits, they only yeah. are going to say no just because they say, I don't want him to be unanimous. Yeah. So I'm going to say no, but you know that he is a hall of famer. You're just, use, you're just trying my, to be I've used, used that vote for uh, Sammy Sosa. So and, I, I can't use it for uh, Jeter. And I, I'm a, and Jeter, like whoever voted no, um, there was no real reason besides they didn't want him to be unanimous for trout. I think everyone will know it's that definitely he, a red sock. Uh, he, beat writer uh, i i would that's a definitely <laughs> a good uh a good uh place to investigate for sure i think that trout uh is going to be on pace for you know you know there'll be a conversation at that when the time comes is he going to be unanimous but i think if he does not have a big postseason moment in his career um there will be voters who hold that against them because a lot of voters care about that stuff even though it's not really uh, in his control so um only to an extent it's in his in his control but sorry i get an eight war every year and you know yeah. my my gm can't or my my manager and gm just or my owner don't doesn't doesn't want to get excuses pitching, yeah. the excuses can go on and on yeah, but um yeah. we'll, we'll move on to a different milestone now travis um our pools is hitting home runs as he always Good, has yeah. um the you know the contact skills have diminished but i think that he still knows and you know rightfully so his team knows he still has a role on an mlb team if you put him in the right matchups he's an above average hitter his ops plus is positive is above 100 on the season because he um you know you can platoon him against lefties or put him and they put him in for a blowout and he hit two home runs you know kind of off these you know kind of Put him in against long Brett Phillips. Re- yeah. Against long relief bullpen arms, and he's going to you know swing for the fences and probably get one or two out. So right now, Travis, do you think 700 is on the table again, just considering the fact that we talked about this last year and we said no to 700 because um, we knew he was falling off and we knew that um, we didn't know how many years he had left. But uh, do you think this is for sure his last year? Like if he, if he gets 697, you think he's going to keep going? I, I, I think he's going to keep going. I think he is so... He wants it. I think he wants it so much. And it, it to me, it'll, it'll be interesting to see if the Cardinals want to invest another year or maybe they just have a deal where they say, once you hit 700, like your contract ends, <laughs> if they can somehow make that. But Whenever we're um, up by seven, we'll put you in. And then exactly, exactly. But I, I, and especially imagine if the Cardinals like were to just have like a disappointing end of the season and then Albert just comes knocking on the GM's door and he says, you're going to extend me? Like, you know, it's kind of like... No, you and Yachty are done. Like, get out of here. Um, but no, I mean, I think right now he has 17 to go. And I, I mean, honestly, Alex, I'm I'm really hoping he gets to 700. I want to see a guy get to 700 because we haven't seen it since uh, since Barry Bonds. And that was, you know, probably before I was even watching baseball when Barry Bonds did all that. Uh, so I want to see him get to 700. I think A-Rod was three or four short. I think he finished at 696, which yeah, it sucks because I'm that kind of guy that likes numbers to end in zero or five. You know, like you whenever like, I do things, you like a round number, I like a round clean number. And so I was just, I, I was beating myself that a rod did not want to come back or he even mentioned that he was going to join the Yankees or go somewhere else. He actually, he wanted to finish his career as a Yankee did not want to go anywhere else to get four home runs. I, in fact, I wish he did. Cause I just, I need to have him at 700 or not, because I mean, you're in the 700 home run club. That's, that's just, it means something the elite of the elite, but anyways, but, uh, 17 to go i think right we have right now is about four months left when she, when you look at the start of june so uh you know 17 almost about six you know 16 to 17 
Uh, if you look at, you know, four home runs a month, like I said, you'll get to 16. You'll be one shy. Um, I think I did the math and you're looking at about a home run a week. Uh, so you need Albert to average a home run a week, which seems doable if he's playing every day. But if you don't want him to play every day, if you want to just use him for the matchups, then it could seem like kind of a long shot because we're two months in and he only has four home runs. It'll be very interesting if they get to a point where he has maybe five or six left, maybe five weeks left in the season and they're like in a really tight wild card yeah. race. It's like, are we going to, you know, play Albert only in the matchups where he's really favored or are we going to kind of sorry, let Goldie, him, let him uh, go you're out. <laughs> no, I mean, it's, it's, it's going to be interesting. And they have, like we said earlier in the podcast, young players coming up that even if they are not on the field, they, you know, you want to see Gorman get a B's. You, oh, yeah. you may, you may put him as a DH for some games. You may put Juan Yepes to DH some games. So, um, with all that in mind, I think that it's going to be, a. It's going to be interesting down to the wire. I, I, my, my gut feeling says he doesn't get there. Um, Not this year. Yeah, I don't think so either. I don't think so either. Yeah. So, so, so you, how do you imagine he now? Let's say he finishes at, let's just call it six ninety four or five. Yeah. How do you think he navigates this off season? Do you think he's like any team who wants me? I mean, he has a case because he can say I have an above hundred OPS plus. No, no, definitely, you're right. And he has a case where he can say, just pinch hit me a few times a week. And I will be happy and I will contribute in the locker room and I'll be a good sport and I want to get my I'll number. Be a good sport, yeah. do, do you think that's what his mindset's gonna be? You know, I and I think even that, after what if, what if Yadi retires and Albert keeps going, you know? Yeah, I know, seriously. And, and and that I think that would have to be his mindset because I mean playing this guy every day I think is just out of the question. I mean, I don't think a team right now is gonna tell him that you're gonna be playing every right, day. Right. I don't think Albert wants to play every day because uh, that body needs to be healthy in order to get to 700. So um, I think that, you know, just pinch hitting, just hitting against lefties will be his uh, his move, I think, for the rest of his, you know, and I, I, probably not the rest. I will say yes for the rest of his career, but I think, of course, he'll have times where he has to face righties. But um, it's like, going to be like something. Like in the blowout game he did. Exactly. Yeah. And you know what? I mean, this season right now, it's proving that if he were to keep up these uh, percentage stat numbers, Alex, I mean, a 128 OPS plus right now, he hasn't had that number since 2012, his first year at the Angels. I mean, yeah, that that's what's, really, that, that's what's really, crazy. They're really using him only in those matchups that are really favorable. Um, not exclusively, but I mean, I think the idea is that, I mean, people will point at the Angels always being like, "You let this guy go," blah blah blah. But yeah, it's like, I mean, it's like he wanted sorry, to be an all star. He yeah. wanted to be an everyday player. And we had Walsh and Otani, who uh, have been off course amazing, and so. it worked out. I mean perfectly for the angels i mean I, I, people are always giving us hate that you know we let him go but at the same time you know look at what our first base in dh did last year mvp and an all-star that made a sliding catch in left field you know yeah. almost an all-around player but i think that i'm in agreeing, agreeing with you that uh he will not get to 700 this season and i think that he will be playing somewhere next year i don't know if it's going to be the cardinals cardinals could and like i said maybe they make some sort of agreement that you're only uh, you know, maybe when the, you know, maybe with 700, your contract ends or something like that. I'm sure they can write something up or of course, that, that, maybe that, just, that'd be a first for sure. That would be a first definitely for sure. And then you'd be kind of asking yourself, like, I guess Albert's more in it for like the personal gain than like the team aspect. But I mean, I guess when you're at his point of his career, you're kind of like that too. But the Cardinals, uh, you know, roster as a team is probably, you know, they, they want to see both. They want to see Albert succeed, but they want to have the team succeed. Um, but of course you could see him on a team that, is you know just not ready to make uh you know a real playoff push I, i've always mentioned um i think he grew up 
in the uh, in the Kansas City area. So I always thought, could he be yeah. a Royal for a couple seasons and, you know, really be a good DH first base, you know, pinch hit against lefties uh, option could be. Uh, it's a deep ballpark, so it could be a little bit harder to hit home runs, but I'm sure Albert could, you know, muster four to five out of there. But um, I think you'll have to go to a team that right now would not be in consideration to be a playoff team. It would be more of just a, um, a PR, uh, you know, hiring to get fans to come to the games to, I mean, imagine being a Royals fan, you know, you're not going to win 75 games, but I'm going to go to every game that Albert will start. I want to see 700, but would you want to see him hit 700 in you know, a Royals uniform, for example, it'd be really weird in my mind for him to leave, uh, the Cardinals gave him this yeah. deal of saying, like, we want you to retire a Cardinal, blah, blah, blah. And then he's like, oh, I'm so close. I'm going to say screw all that. I'm going to go play with the Royals or some random team. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But, but what, you, yeah. what you said about uh, Kansas City, I'm looking at his profile. He did uh, get drafted out of Metropolitan Community College, Maplewoods in Kansas City, Missouri. So 13th round. I did not know he got drafted 13th round out of Community College. That's definitely a lot of teams uh, really impressive. Exactly. A lot of teams had their chance. Yeah, a lot of teams missed out on the uh, on the twenty eight year old at the time. <laughs> Registered twenty one year old though, but uh, you know you're right. I mean, it would feel weird that he would not hit seven hundred with Cardinals. So, like you said, I'm I'm hoping it happens this year. He can go out in peace. Cardinals could be happy. He hit seven hundred in a Cardinals uniform. He had his retirement tour with the Cardinals. But I mean. I don't think he said that he's officially hanging it up this year, right? I, th- I, mean, I think he, I think he either said it or alluded to it. But okay. um, I mean, I mean, you, you saw Big Pop. If you're you, close, you may just pull that back, you know. Exactly. I mean, you saw David Ortiz, you saw Mariano Rivera, who they all announced this is my last year, and they had the, you know, they had the great retirement tour. I think Mariano got, uh, I remember the he got a broken bat, uh, rocking chair from the Minnesota Twins, which is really cool because of you know just an iconic bat breaker big poppy got you know i think he got a surfboard from the angels or something like that i mean it's cool when you have hall of famers like that going to different stadiums and literally yeah, just well, getting so much you know so many ge- so much gear uh that you're that you're just you know it, it makes that last season so much more memorable and, and so if all that stuff's happening and then he comes back that wouldn't work i i, I I'm they, gonna, they'd be asking for all their memorabilia back yeah exactly I, i'm gonna go on a limb i my prediction is that he doesn't get there and he just retires that, that's okay. that's gonna be my guess okay. i mean it, it can go a handful of ways yeah he, maybe he just gets there and that'd be crazy um Charles, he's a point he has a point one war on the season He's at a 99.7 war on the career. Of course, he was at 100 and went down because of his negative seasons. He could climb back. He could. He could get th- 0.2 I, more war this season. I, I think he will. I think he'll get 100 war for the career. I think he will get just shy of 700 is my guess. But, you know, we'll see how he goes. Um, it'll be fun to watch down the stretch. I do. I hope that it's a race. It'd be fun if it's like, okay, last month, four to go. Can he do it? It'd be fun. But um, and and the Cardinals are in a you know a playoff push race. And are you saying to yourself, we have to play this guy, or do we go? For, you know, it, it, you, yeah. You well, know, what if like the last week he's like two? Manager, last week he's two away, or one game left, he's one away. It's like, but we don't want to start him because. And I'm trying to think who the manager him. is now. Um, yeah, they, they they swapped up, didn't they? I know uh, Schilt is not their manager anymore. I'll, I'll check it, look at it right now. But uh, it is uh, Oliver Mar- Marmol, uh, right, the manager yeah. this year. But that will probably be a tough decision for him because he'll be saying to himself, do I go with the history or do I go with, you know, getting this team to the playoffs uh, for a second consecutive year, um, you know, or actually a third or fourth consecutive year because they've made it. But just I yeah. know with 2020, there was eight teams. But uh, yeah, I mean, just a tough decision he'll have to put on himself but I, I will say 
he is having a positive OPS plus this year. He actually is producing higher than league average. And that's nice that they're that he's cool with hitting against lefties only and, uh, you know, still being above average for the league. But um, that will be a very interesting uh, decision come, you know, August and September. Hopefully he just goes on like a Trevor story. We can hit six and then we can kind of just say, cool, Albert, like now you can actually like kind of keep on a good pace to a month. That's all we're asking for, you know, get to 700 and then. Get that uh, rocking chair out, uh, and just yeah, I mean, exactly. Go, go, go start. Get, get ready for Cooperstown. Yeah, well, go start being an ambassador for the Angels because they have some stupid like contract where the ten years after he retires, he has to like be like an Angels like not a coach, but like some sort of mentor ambassador. Like he'll probably just show his face at like a few games. He'll and be uh, training. And- he'll be showing Jared Walsh how to field ground balls at first, and he'll be saying, "Dude, I'm I'm an all star." Like. I, I think I'm good, dude. I was like, like, yeah. Get away from me. <laughs> but uh, we're probably good to move on. Just a couple more things here, Chess, before we wrap up. Um, there have been so many late game heroics in the last week. Um, there was a Jonah. Uh, well, there was a. Don't talk about there was the, a, the Texas Rangers. Yeah. The Rangers. Uh, it was a. Uh, it was uh, Josh. Was it Josh or was it Nate? It was Nate Lowe, Nate right? Nate Lowe. No. Yeah. So yeah, he uh, Nate Lowe hit the uh, walk off home run off Rizal Iglesias. There was a uh, AJ Pollock home run off Matt or off a uh, off uh, Aroldis Chapman. There was a Max Muncie. Did you, did you see the the Justin Turner play before the Muncie air? I did. Yeah. The, Justin Turner had the most crazy like just fake out play. There was a, a like a throw in from first base. The guy was safe at first, and then they threw it to third because JT Romuto went from second to third. Ramuto slides in safe because the throw is high. So Justin Turner jumps up to catch the ball. He pretends like it gets away. So JT Ramuto starts scrambling home, turns around, realizes it's in Turner's glove. He yeah. kind of faked him out, tags him out. At that point, you think the game's over. Like that game, like you exactly. just, you had like the, the tying. The, the momentum just shifts. The tying yeah. run on third and you just let him get out. And now, you know, your tying runs on first with like no one else. It, it was just a bad spot to be somehow phillies rally back they get the winning run onto second tying run on third two outs ground ball to max muncie bobbles it no play at first he goes home the runner is already there he's already safe from second base so two scored on an infield grounder error um what a crazy way to lose a game i'm sure you know dodger fans aren't too worried they're playing great and muncie's a, a great player but definitely just one that you really thought you had um in the bag red sox also had an extra inning walk-off grand slam by franchi cordero that's right um just kind of put the, the mariners to mariners uh, could not catch a break that series and they can't they, right now they haven't caught a break all season i mean right, right. now they, they they're, they're up right now but uh you're right i mean four game sweep at fenway that's something they're not planning you know at all and then of course trying to get one on sunday it looks good the unexpected franchi cordero Grand Salami. I, I, I think it was uh, a take it home. Uh, Eugenio Suarez home run to tie it, and like in like the ninth or eighth okay. to like force the extras, and it's like, oh geez, like we're back in this one. Let's go. Exactly. And then just like Grand Slam and extras, like oh okay. Like, when, yeah, it's, you're almost like win this, you know, win this game. Then let's take it home. We'll play Oakland, and we'll 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 take a series there and kind of get back into it. But yeah, yeah, yeah. So so much kind of craziness um, in these late innings. It's been a really fun series. Or sorry, fun season so far. One thing I want to ask you, Travis, um, Aroldis Chapman uh, gave up a huge homer to A.J. Pollock. Mm-hmm. It allowed the White Sox to win a game. The White Sox had a good series against the Yankees, who are you know the best team in baseball record-wise right mm-hmm. now. Do you think 
that they're going to have to make a decision here with their role as Chapman and make him no longer the full-time, everyday closer because they not only have a really good bullpen just with tons of arms that could contribute in that kind of role, they also have one specific guy in Clay Holmes who is having such a dominant start to the season. And he was really good last year when he was receiving a trade um, from the, I think from Pittsburgh. From Pittsburgh, Travis, his numbers are not good at all. Mm -hmm. Yankees made a few small tweaks. He is all of a sudden a top, in my mind right now, this season, top three reliever for sure. Um, any thoughts on, do you think they could actually have Chapman removed from the closer role in favor of a guy like Clay Holmes? I think definitely. And I think that they should probably go to more of a hybrid, uh, you know, like righty lefty kind of thing. Or? I, I think they'll. I think Boone will have to be creative on a nightly basis when it comes to the ninth inning, and they have a lead. I think it just depends on the the you know the kind of lead they have. Are they up by three? Are they up by four? Or are they up by one? You know, um, I would definitely lean more towards the Clay Holmes. He's been hot, and I think right now it, you kind of got to get the idea of okay, we need one guy, and he's our guy no matter what. Um, I think Chapman is just. I mean. I mean, I know his career, you look at big moments. I know Chapman's been inconsistent in big moments. And I think that right now you need to just be more of who's going to be my shutdown guy. Who's my hot hand out of the bullpen situation. Um, stuff. You, you almost need to, you mean you need to take some of these games like they are in the playoffs where, you know, let's just throw, uh, let's throw numbers aside. Who's my hot hand right now. Who's going to get the job done until a new guy steps up. Clay Holmes is that guy. So I would even think that Clay Holmes could be the guy to come out in the ninth inning and get the job done until uh, he proves that he can't do that job anymore and kind of give Ch maybe Chapman a little bit of a break. He can get seventh, eighth inning jobs. Um, and, you know, to just kind of play around with that because the Yankees are in a spot that they do not want to lose and they don't want to just lose it because Chapman right. is their ninth inning closer and they can never let him go. Um, from anything else so uh, I think playing around with that like that would be very uh, would be very good for them so far moving forward so I, I would definitely love the idea of of you know ex you know using different guys in different situations yeah to put some numbers backing what I said earlier uh, 2021 Clay Holmes in Pittsburgh 44 42 innings pitched in 44 games over a 4.9 ERA so just an overall you're a below average reliever goes to get traded to New York um, I don't, I'm really curious as to what they saw in him, but they obviously saw, they saw something. They went and got him uh, immediately in 28 innings pitched in New York. End of 2021, he has a 1.61 ERA. And then to start this season, he's pitched 20 games, which leads relievers in MLB. 21 innings pitched. He is at a .42 ERA. That's just one uh, run allowed in 21 innings, 21 and two-thirds innings. And it's 21 strikeouts. So you're getting a strikeout an inning, only two walks, only one run, run no homers allowed. Wow. So he is just, he's on a completely just other level right now as a reliever. It's just pr probably him and Hater. I saw some crazy Hater stat I wish I had in front of me, but it was like, I think he's not allowed an earned run since like, I think it's like September of like last year. It's just something crazy. It doesn't yeah. make any sense. But, um, but yeah, uh, Clay Holmes uh, has really kind of showed up as like the big arm for them. And I think that he could be the closer uh, if they're going to really take this season seriously. And I, I think they will do that. So um, it, it's it's interesting to kind of figure out how, how it'll go. But this season, Chapman is at a 3.86 ERA, which is not terrible uh, by any stretch. He does have nine saves, but he has blown a couple uh, saves and holds so far this year. Only 14 innings pitched. Uh, from him so only going to him in certain moments and he has allowed 13 hits and 10 walks 13 hits and 10 walks in 14 innings is definitely you're not being locked down yeah that's the opposite of lockdown yep. you're really letting the other team flirt with the comeback um in those moments so 
uh, yeah, overall, definitely uh, an interesting decision bullpen-wise for, like you said, Aaron Boone coming up ahead. Um, you pointed out Hader. I looked him up. Uh, I don't know if I've seen this before, but, you know, more saves than innings pitched this season. That's Pretty crazy. 15 saves to 13 and two-thirds innings pitched right now. I've seen um, them put him in, like, middle of the inning if they probably for, like, a righty-lefty thing. I'm and maybe, maybe Burns or Wood, you know— Woodruff's just going strong and they're just like, just finish it out. But then, you know, the game gets more tight and you just say, you got to put in hater to lock it down right now. Of course he is at a blank for ERA plus because it's probably infinity right now, uh, has not allowed a, uh, a run all season so far. And Alex, of course, like I always say, what I love about hater is that you pretty much look at the innings pitched, And if you multiply that by two, that's his strikeouts. He's going to yeah. get almost two strikeouts an inning. Um, I'm wondering when that, uh, strikeouts per nine, all-time stat will be coming into an effect for like the greatest of uh, oh sure i i know robbie ray i think holds the uh all-time record which is kind of crazy when you look at like strikeouts just, per nine but yeah because um, the strikeouts are such a, more of a thing these days than years past very true yeah but right now um fip best all best of his career um and then of course uh you know strikeouts per nine is just right now about 14 so you know the guy is just uh continuing to be uh dominant as always and you know season and season out he he just he's so consistent right now when it comes to the closer role so just had to point that out is looking like uh i'm looking at his uh game logs from last season has not allowed an earned run since july 28th of last year that's crazy and that is not including the postseason of course freddie freeman got a hold of one that's in right, the playoffs yeah. but um i wonder if he can get back to that i mean imagine that he imagine he has a full calendar year no one runs and that, that oh would, that, would that would be, be a crazy stat that would be a if crazy get milestone late july it's not impossible at this it's rate not, yeah especially because they, they don't use him they're not you know riding him you know like exactly. crazy he's exactly. not like a he's not like a he's not like i was gonna throw 70 innings of relief you know he's just not he hasn't been that guy the last couple of years they use him sparingly they want him to be good good to go for the postseason but yeah he is he is he is the only reason why I can't say that Clay Holmes is the best reliever in baseball this <laughs> yeah. season because you look over at a guy like Hader and he's just not he, he's not been touched. He's just yeah. not been touched mm-hmm. thus far. So mm-hmm. um Travis, just uh I wanna quickly note this. I don't have any, you know, uh I'm not as informed as I probably could be, so I'm not gonna say too much. But you know, there was a suspension of Josh Donaldson. I'll just kinda uh report what I heard is that I know Tim Anderson, uh quoted himself calling himself like he views himself as like a modern day jackie robinson type of figure and then like josh donaldson came out and like called him jackie robinson to his face or called him jackie yeah and tim Anderson did not like that and then there was an exchange of some sort and then when the, all the news was coming out on sunday tim Anderson had a monster game and he yep. hit a huge home run silenced the crowd yeah. silenced the crowd it was a really big deal um but yeah i think that um there's a one game suspension on Donaldson and the, it was pretty much said that, you know, even though we can't read Donaldson's mind as if he meant to be, you know, racial or if he meant it to mm-hmm. be offensive, he, he said it was a, he said it was a, um, like a, a, a old joke between like, you know, inside he, joke. He went back to like 2019 about a joke that, yeah, when, when, uh, and Anderson called himself Jackie Robinson. He, I think he was on the Braves and he was like, we were all joking around calling him Jackie or yeah, I, and something then, like that. And then, and then Liam Hendricks, uh, of course, White Sox teammate of Tim Anderson supporting his, his teammate said like, bro, like you guys were never friends. Like you guys never made jokes you, together. You got to say that in Australian accent, you know? 
<laughs> I'm not gonna try. I mean, it, it would it would it would be yeah, a disgrace. Yeah, it would be a disgrace. Yeah. I almost did though, but yeah, I think uh, <laughs> the, there's a one game suspension going Donaldson's way, um, and pretty much the MLB said even though we can't you know read his mind to know if what the intention was, the words just weren't that acceptable. So mm-hmm. um, I think he missed the game today, and that definitely yeah. is a is a and they lost. So it, yeah, it's, it's a bat you're gonna miss, and it just kind of goes to show. Um, I, I think Hendrick said something to the effect of. Every team Donaldson's been on, there's been problems hmm. like locker room stuff, people not liking him, or mm-hmm. just get, having problems like that. It's kind of interesting to, you know, you don't like to see a player go, go down this path of, yeah. you know, this controversy and getting mixed up in that stuff. It, you know, you, you'd wish that a player like that would just kind of, you know, I guess not not mess with that, you know, even if, even if I don't want to call him racist, but even yeah. if, even if you, uh, you're almost flirting with the idea of something that could be interpreted that way. So I uh, bet better just to not. And uh, yeah, that's and, my only thought on and, it. And they even brought, I know, I know Frank Thomas was talking a couple of days about it on, uh, I think it was Fox roundup or whatever, the, whatever the Fox uh, FS one <laughs> show is. But uh, he was even saying, you know, both guys are, you know, respected, respected ball players in their own for, by their peers. And so, you know, he, of course, making no judgments just yet, you know, I, I'm, you're not going to, Main thing is you don't want to make, you know, claims when you don't even know all the news. But you're right. I mean, all I saw basically is a brawl. And then I it was between uh, it was between Tim Anderson and Donaldson or those are the two guys that were the main topics of the brawl. So whenever that happens, you, of course, want to, uh, you know, it's never good for baseball, that kind of stuff, especially when you have two competitive teams who honestly, that could be an ALCS preview. And I, that'd be pretty crazy if it is, because that'd be, that would get, be that, something that would get some uh, that, that would get the uh, the tension stirring even more. But uh, I'm sure both guys, you know get over it in a week and you know we'll continue baseball so yeah i think yeah it, it will just be like a you know probably a road bump in, in donaldson's season but um yeah i think it is it, it's, just, it's just something i wanted to highlight i like i said at the top it was big that came out yeah I, I don't have as much you know info i've not been doing research on it so i don't have much to say but um it is definitely a super notable thing that people have been talking about um and yeah it, it, it's a big deal to, to miss a you know to get suspended over saying something right yeah, so it's exactly. just something that you Gonna try to avoid going forward to hear Josh Donaldson for sure. Um, and I guess the last thing we can touch on, Travis, is just a bit of Angels talk um, before we wrap up. The Angels, they did win a series against the A's for the second time this season. They currently have five wins against the A's this season. Last season in its entirety, don't say it. Only four wins against the A's yeah. this year. Already five. Angels um, have obviously turned it around against that team in general but also against all opponents have had a really good start mm-hmm. um where are you at with the angels right now they did have a rough series in texas getting swept but we both were of the mindset that that's a more of a blip on a overall successful season because um every team gets swept i think i, I told someone last i told someone that last year the orioles swept both the red sox and the yankees at different points in the season if there's going to be times where you get swept by a division rival just Definitely. because you play them so much. So in a lower level one, yeah. Give me your thoughts on the Angels uh, as it stands right now, um, and how they're playing. Yeah, I mean, uh, it was tough to watch. Um, I didn't see them, of course, against the game. I think it was last weekend where uh, the A's hit a three-run bomb to win it off Iglesias, and that right. was kind of a defeating. Um, below because you're so close to a win. You could have had a four-game sweep of Oakland. And after that, you know, the Angels are looking sky high. But, of course, they go uh, win the series, you know, take three of four, which, of course, is always the goal, I think. Win a series is always going to be the goal. But going into Texas, um, getting swept the way they did, 
Uh, offense looked good at some points, but I think just overly it wasn't uh, consistently doing the job. And then, of course, the pitching staff, I think the first two games, Syndergaard went two-thirds of inning and uh, Detmers went three and two-thirds. So it was almost a combined like four innings pitch from starting pitching for the first two games. And you're not going to win very much of games if you're doing that. So right. uh, the starting pitching was, of course, kind of a letdown. Shohei, though, had a great start the next get, next day. Um, but the offense and the uh, bullpen just kind of couldn't hold it together. So three-game sweep against the Rangers was, of course, just very uh, – it hurt a lot just to see that the way that we were doing all season kind of just come down to earth against the Rangers, but that'll happen. Um, we, of course, take two or three against the A's. But, I mean, right now, um, not too concerning. I think the biggest thing right now is – I was looking at it today – uh, with Houston, they actually just lost today. Um, so right now, Angels are one game back. Uh, they lost the Guardians. So one game back of Houston wow. right now. Um, right now, we have a, let's see, it's about a seven-game lead between the Angels and the Texas Rangers. So for the second and third place teams, right now, there is no other team except for the Mets that has that big of a gap between the next team Um than, than those, especially when you're talking about the top two, top three teams in the division. That's what I really like right now is that Houston and Angels are really running away. I think we talked about it earlier. If we could just make a pact with, you know, the Astros on just saying, you know what? Let's take care of the others. We need to be the top two. And right now we're proving it. Let's just take care of the others and, uh, you know, run away and let's make the postseason. But, um, you know, right now the Angels and the Astros are really sh shoving it to the American League West. Um, and I know the Angels still haven't played Seattle yet, but uh, so far it's been good. And then, of course, the way you kind of look at it, and I know we kind of judged it earlier in the season, Alex, Boston and Minnesota, I think, were the main teams, as well as Seattle, that we highlighted that the Angels really need to look out for because those are the teams that are going to be, you know, the biggest threat for a sixth seed or at least a spot in the playoffs. Things, are, of course, are different now. I mean, the White Sox are a team that we did not expect them to be this low. Now there, I feel like that team that – the Angels are, you know, I think we just we want to see one team in the AL Central get the playoff spot. You know, we don't want to see two because we know the AL East is going to be very, very competitive. So um, just kind of I, we can go all over kind of just how do we analyze the, the league and different divisions. But, yeah, I mean, I think we all can say the start we've been on is just, I mean, very impressive. And, you know, I think most people will say that, you know, even though we had a hiccup, it's still a very successful start to the season, first quarter of the season. And, you know, the next couple of days, you got to really pick things up because uh, I think two games at home against Texas. And then if you look at the Angels schedule for three weeks, it is very good teams. You're playing four against Toronto, three at Yankees, three at Philly, four at home against the Sox, Red Sox, and then three at home against the Mets. And mm. then you, I think you go to the Dodgers, then you take five games in four days at Seattle. So you're going through, you're going through some good teams and some good talent. So right now, I think this, this will be, and I don't want to say the Achilles heel of the Angels season, but the next three weeks will really show what kind of team this, this team is. So, um, yeah, I mean, if we, it's very important, I would say, yeah, yeah, we could be, you know, in the, in three weeks time, we could be first in the division or it could be a 500 team. Exactly. So things can change fast, but yeah, I do think the Angels, they feel like they're really, really legit so far. Um, like you mentioned about the central and the east, it really feels like, in my mind at least, I think the Astros will kind of keep their lead on us. I think the Astros are, are a super legit team. I think that they're gonna be in the race for the best record in the American League. They've really picked up where they left off, like they seem like they do every single year. But uh, I think the Angels are really gonna be in competition with 
whoever is second place in the central, yep. it's either going to be the White Sox or the Twins probably. And then the Rays and the Blue Jays. I think between those four teams, uh, two will make it. And I guess I'm writing off, I'm just writing off the um, the Red Sox. But uh, wait, hold on. How does that work? No, I think three teams or three teams will make it of those five if i count the red Sox, yeah yeah so yeah. yeah i mean and then the mariners could be end up being in the mix too so there's still a nice little pool of teams that could be in that wild card race but like you said angels are building a bit of a cushion between themselves and the mariners and even themselves and like the red Sox, or other teams that are more closer to 500 i think the white Sox are only at 500 right now so yeah. if the twins keep the division lead if the white Sox kind of are like a low or mid 80 win team this year which would be a surprising but it could happen um, it'd be, you know, really good for the Angels. So overall, a lot to like about their season so far. Um, so and, really, and I was going to say, it's funny too, because even looking at the Mets uh, schedule right now, it's very comparable to the Angels. They actually play each other in the beginning half of June. Mets go on a crazy road trip. I think it's like four either at San Diego or four at Dodgers and then three against the Angels and then three either again at Padres or LA Dodgers. So mm. They're doing a crazy SoCal, um, yeah, SoCal road trip right now. They're playing three at San Fran. So you know, Mets of course too without Scherzer. I mean, that that's one news we didn't bring up. He will be out. I think right now we're looking at almost six weeks. Um, I think it was it oblique injury, no, something like that. And it was it was really crazy to see him take himself out of the game. Yeah. He told the coach like, "Come out here, I'm done. That pitch hurt." I'm out like I'm not going to injure myself further, you know, which is good to see. It's good to see the awareness Mm -hmm. and the idea that, you know, there is more at stake this season. Like, Let's win a ring. Let's not, you know, I'm going to chase the strikeouts in in the ERA and the Cy Young stuff just to risk injury. Like, let's really buckle down make sure I'm good. And of course, he's not good. He needs a few weeks off for injury. So, you know, the Mets are going to miss him, of course, without him or DeGrom. Not what they wanted at all. You almost got Scherzer to beat DeGrom Insurance in case he gets hurt. Exactly. Now they're both hurt. But their pitching overall, I think, is good enough to keep them afloat. Um, and they got an eight-game lead uh, right now. So Yes. I mean, the, the division seems not that competitive, even though I think the Phillies and the Braves will both uh, be winning teams. I think definitely. when it's all said and done. Definitely. So. definitely. And you know what's crazy? I mean, both Scherzer and DeGrom, you could see them both come back in July. You could both see them come back at the All-Star break. And I mean... Talk about two additions to that team. If they're already, you know, a top three team in the NL, I mean, they could just be a runaway then if you're looking at those two guys. Those are almost two free wins against any opponent. So um, I'm sure Mets right now would are I'm sure they're happy that the injuries those if 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 both those guys only have those injuries this season, then you're both saying right now, you know what, that's fine. We can definitely take not, not our foot off the gas pedal completely, but with those two guys out. We can we can we can afford to lose ground on some of these teams in our division, but when they come back, we'll pick it right back up and uh, and and just you know take the division by storm. So um, it'll be interesting too, because like I said, the Mets they have some pretty tough games against uh, some tough uh, division and some tough uh, you know league opponents uh, in the next couple of weeks as well. Just one thing I wanted to point out I saw sure. today that was uh, that was you know they're kind of in the same boat as the Angels right now, but of course they've been uh, they've been pretty elite all season. And last note on the Angels for me before we wrap up, I think that um, something we've noticed, Travis, some of the managerial stuff. We were not going to go all in on Joe Madden right now, but that was our um, last week uh, <laughs> segment, yeah, right. And but this time uh, we saw, and what in my mind sh- really could have and should have been a complete game shutout from Patrick Sandoval ended up being like a seven and change outing with one earned run. That in my yeah. mind, it's a disgrace to 
the ERA as a stat because there's a fly ball hit to Tyler Wade playing right field. Second baseman, Tyler Wade. Yeah, yeah he's a middle infielder, and he has a utility element to him. He has played outfield before, but yep. it is by no means his comfort zone. It was a sunny afternoon day. The ball gets lost in the sun. He's under it for like five seconds. It bounces right next to him. Um, it was it know, was devastating it, seeing that live at the game too, yeah. Right, you yeah. were there. And it, 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 I don't want to pile on him either because he obviously wants to play However, oh, yeah. he's asked to play, but he was told to play outfield when he's really not a true outfielder. We should have more than three outfielders on our team. And right now we only have three really with Ward currently day to day. So and taking a pop fly from second is a whole lot different from taking a pop fly in right field. I mean, yeah, I, I, I know most people probably see that, too, and they know that. But um, the perspectives it, are just so different when you when you're, you know, 300 feet away from home plate rather than you're you know, tracking it more. Feet. Exactly. It's, it's going to be different. And exactly. Um, I don't want to pile on him, but see, <laughs> exactly. seeing Sandoval react, I mean, you saw it live. He was upset. He, I mean, it, it's really funny how, which is, which is really just, I mean, which is awesome to see because you see a pitcher who cares that much. Yeah. Um, and we have not seen that kind of, you know, anger or just, uh, frustration. You know, I was seen that frustration, but we've never seen that kind of just competitive level. I feel like in a while. So, um, yeah, something to add on. He really wanted to stay in the game, but instead it was a no outs free guy on second base. Uh, then we have a infield grounder ground out that gets him to third and then a bloop gets him in uh, like the, like a dinky up the middle. So it, it was just really, uh, in my mind, that's not an earned run. In yeah. my mind, it's not an earned mm-hmm. run. It, it was not a double, even though it counts as a double. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it hurt me in fantasy, but I don't really care about that. I care <laughs> yeah. about Sandoval. I think, you know, I think. Based on what he's doing right now, he should get Sayang votes if he oh, continues yeah. his, his current path. So I want him to have as good of a season as he can. Um, I have so much confidence in him when he takes the mound. But um, I think it goes back to this outfield conversation that we keep having about right now, Joe Adele is mashing in AAA, but still I remember working, seeing, uh, someone, working out the defense. Someone posted his last like weekend of numbers, and it was like, um, he. I, I think he brought he, the strikeouts are high, but that's what you're going to get from him. But I think his slugging was like north of like 750. I mean, yeah, I mean, he's just hitting X race hits almost every other at bat. So yeah, um, he started out super hot when he got sent down, and I think just like on Sunday or Saturday or something, he had a like two double games. So yep. like he's just keeping it up. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just about the defense, I guess, and and the strike, you know, the, the pitch recognition, like not swinging up balls. You know, that's just going to come with time. I think he needs to see big league, p- big league pitching. To get that down, I don't think oh, yeah. I don't think that's gonna get solved down there. So I think he personally needs to come up. A big reason why he got sent down is obviously the defense. He actually got sent down after he made an error, probably not called an error, but he yeah, made an Sox. error with Patrick Sandoval. Mm-hmm. Also having his ERA affected by not an very outfielder's good defense. defense. Him. <laughs> He's getting bad luck yeah, by yeah. the corner outfielders for sure. Um, and so with that in mind. Adele getting sent down for that reason. I think that if I'm not mistaken, there was, um, who's the, is it white, whitehead? What's his name? Whitefield. Whitefield? Yeah. Not whitehead. <laughs> That's not a very good name. He, is but, a, uh, he does have a whitehead. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, whitefield, uh, that doesn't sound right for me. I don't know yeah, why. It's whitefield, but, uh, you know, I'll say one thing. He's, he's not an MLB bat. You know, he doesn't have an MLB, well, uh, you know, but I think he got called back up. Well, he's, that's not confirmed. Okay. He took. He posted on Instagram. He said like he said like time for round two, and he was at Angel Stadium. So I don't know if he's a taxi squad or or, yeah. or if maybe he's, he's in. Maybe, he's at UCI right now. Maybe tomorrow <laughs> they will announce that he got added to the or Long Beach twenty six yeah. man or whatever. But um, I do think that um, 
it is a plus that we have if Taylor Ward is going to be day-to-day for the next few days still, I want an actual outfielder playing yeah. outfield instead of a utility man who is really comfortable playing middle infield. Um, especially so, when especially when Wade is, you know, he, he's a good baseball player and he, he has a decent bat, but he's not a guy that's just going to be cranking home runs. I mean, he his OPS numbers are not going to be, uh, you know. And even the average is not that good. I exactly. think he, he, he really needs to be... His best role in this team, I think, is a bench bat who can play defense in that middle infield substitute, middle infield uh, defense. Pinch runner is like the best oh, yeah. role because yeah. he is so quick on the base paths. And, um, and a also, good runner. Yeah. also, yeah, man on leadoff double, uh, no outs. You need a bunt to get down, but you have some guy you don't trust batting. You can pinch uh, hit him, feel comfortable in him getting the bunt down. Um, you know, a handful of things he's good at. Um, I can contribute, but I don't think starting right field makes any sense to me going forwards. Um, so it's good to see, you know, Whitefield uh, at least will be a better defensive presence out there. But you really, I really want to see Joe Adele back because there was this notion we sent him down that like there's not enough space for him because of Ward, Marsh, and Trout. And I agree, Ward, Marsh, and Trout are all playing better and they should be the starters. But Adele can be the fourth outfitter for this team. He can uh, pinch hit for Marsh if Marsh is having trouble with the lefty. He can uh, start a certain game if Ward is day-to-day or if Trout needs a day off or if Marsh needs a day off. We have too many guys who are not outfielders playing outfield to have Adele and AAA. That's my thought on the matter, especially because I think if you want him to really get going, it's going to be in the big leagues. I think there's no amount of hotness you can be in AAA where you're like, okay, now he's ready. It's like he's yeah. been hot in AAA for a year or whatever. So. And he has that. He does have an MLB bat, you know. Oh, it's, I mean. yeah. His OPS plus on the season is, is is very solid. I'm very more than pleased with his bat. Um, I think that it'll just become down to, uh, I guess, the defense. And I think that there are just some players who are going to be a minus defensively. So that's why he's your fourth outfielder, right? He's not going to always be out there. Um, there could be a game where he starts for – uh, Marsh, but then we're up by four in the fifth inning or sixth inning, and you say, okay, let's put in Marsh for defense. That's just the part of the game playing, the strategizing that has to go into it. So um, my thought is that there's been too many utility guys playing outfield. Yeah. The whole argument that there's no room for him has fallen flat because yeah. there's room for Whitefield, apparently. There's room for Wade and Rojas playing outfield. Um, so with that in mind, uh, I want to see Adele again. Uh, any, any thoughts to add on that matter? Yeah, you know, you, it's so funny because yesterday, um, my seats, you know, right on top of the dugout, probably 10 feet from Joe Madden. I think I was staring at the back of his head the whole game. But um, there are times during the at-bats or during the game where it gets pretty quiet. And part of me just wanted to yell out and just scream, you know, Madden, you know, where's Joe Adele? Or, you know, even after the air. We I, want Joe. After that air in right field, I just really, really wanted to say, you know, Joe Adele should be in right field or something yeah, like that, or just say something. And probably the fans would have, you know, at least the fans that pay attention probably would have laughed and been like, yeah, like, you know, why is Wade, you know, a it, second baseman playing right field when a guy that's one of our top prospects is down in the minors. And I know you said he needed more ABs because he's not getting enough ABs, but here's your opportunity to get more ABs at a major yeah. league level, especially when Ward is out for three to four games, bring up a guy like that. And you know what? He can be a great bench bat because what I've seen from Madden so far is that he loves to rest guys. So if you like to yes. rest guys, there's your opportunity to get Adele more ABs. And he could get ABs every every three games. You know, you could you could have Marsh, you know, sit the bench on a left-handed pitcher and put Adele in left field. You know, there's just things where it's almost like he's contradicting himself 
that now I kind of want to know, okay, we, we, we're watching Mayfield, we're watching Rojas, we're watching Wade Whitefield, we're watching all these guys get outfield time, and mm-hmm. these are games that definitely could go to Adele. Yeah, I know his defense needs some work, but it, 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 if, it, it was it was that one game, that one Sunday game or Monday game that really the defense seemed, you know, okay, what is Joe Adele doing? But before that, I mean, Alex, I'll say this. I mean, it, it, he was he was doing average defense, and that's all we need, you know? We, we, we just need someone that's going to be out there to catch fly balls, get the ball in, and to, you know, just kind of make those routine plays. But it's it's questioning right now. Yeah, There's somewhat of a lack of confidence in the outfield for him, for sure, defensively. But I'll say this. If anyone's going to be out there making errors, I'd rather be Adele than, than Tyler Wade, than, yeah. Tyler Wade mm-hmm. than, than Rojas, than someone who, Renjifo, than someone who's not an actual outfielder yeah. playing outfield. Give me the guy who has below average defense, but is high upside bat, and someone who can really develop into a franchise player if everything goes right for him because he's been a top five prospect in the past. But yeah, overall... Want to see him in the big leagues for sure. Want to see him added to the roster. Also want to see a more uh, professionalized lineup because I don't think uh, Duffy's a four hitter. Uh, yeah, there's, in any circumstance. So we we, we could we could we, <laughs> we could go all day we, on this. We could truly talk for hours about some yeah. of the Joe Madden decisions with the lineup, with the batting order. I mean, yeah, you're completely right. Matt Duffy has a career OPS against righties better than lefties, even though he's a writer, or even though he's a righty. So. Yeah. For some reason, you only pit, platoon him with Walsh against lefties, and you bat him fourth when he's actually better against righties. And <laughs> it's backwards. He has like an 0 for four day, and it just, it just, it just kind of. Um, we, we we could go on, like I said, but um, I guess we'll cut on some slack and, and cut the episode for now. But we'll do, we'll do a we'll do an angel power hour, yeah. Yeah, we'll we'll have we'll have like a bonus episode at some point where we can just vent and just <laughs> probably like probably like the first half. I won't even like post a Travis. We should get, 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 get it off our chest, but <laughs> but uh, that'll, yeah, that, that'll go four hours. Yeah, right. But uh, that pretty much wraps up, wraps up this episode. Um, I've started stuttering, so that's why you know I'm done talking for <laughs> for a while. But uh, yeah, Travis. Uh, overall, it's been really exciting. Uh, I'm excited to see what's going to come next. So if you made it this far, thanks so much. Uh, like and subscribe, all that stuff. The YouTube is is up and running, Travis. You know, first couple of videos have been posted. That's right. Leave us some comments. Yeah. The videos are going to keep coming as well. Probably one per episode just to highlight a clip where I thought um, it showcases what we talk about. And it's going to be, you know, trying to point people back to the podcast on Spotify and Apple or wherever you're listening now. So uh, if you made it this far towards the very bitter end of it all, two hours in, I appreciate it so much. And we will come at you guys again next week. Presented by Tool Tools Podcast. <laughs>